Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. We've got an awesome show. Spoilers are here! Finally! We've been waiting and waiting, and they're finally here. It feels like we've been waiting forever. It's probably been like a month and a half. <laughs> so, you know, our, our greedy, grubby hands are now full of spoilers, and we're ready to talk about them. Uh, we've also got a really special guest this week. We've got the founder of Pukatrade.com, Eric Freitag. How you doing, Eric? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks so much for having me on the show. Hey, no problem, man. We are going to learn about Puka Trade uh, because I, I've been interested in the website for a long time. Uh, I haven't had a chance to use it. I am a, I am signed up on there, um, but I never actually took the time to learn it and use it because that's I'm lazy and I fear change. Uh, and this is a different thing than what some people are used to in terms of trading online. So we're going to talk to you first about this, and then we're going to launch into some spoilers. Uh, First of all, I just wanted to mention real quick that uh, there is an article on ChannelFireball.com that I thought was really cool and worth mentioning because it was one of those things that I was always like, I don't know how to do this because I just am old and fear change. Um, Channel Fireball has an article called The Complete Guide to MTGO Shortcuts, which, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm just click, 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 like – like somebody learning how to use email for the first time. Um, but I actually have already found the best MTGO shortcut that I know, and that's that I don't play MTGO anymore. So, Eric, uh, for those who don't already know about it, uh, what is Puka Trade? Puka Trade is an online peer-to-peer trading platform for anyone who plays Magic the Gathering. Uh, yeah, and like you uh, mentioned before, we have a slightly different take on trade. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically on Puka Trade, what we're doing is facilitating one-way trades. It's kind of exciting because uh, you know a, a lot of in a typical trade, what you need to have is uh, two different people with congruent haves and wants uh, who are kind of coming together at the same time and place, and then negotiating a transaction that both people may or may not be happy with. And uh, you know, there's actually like a lot of a lot of things that have to happen in order for that to work. But with Puka Trade, we're able to like kind of pare down. Uh, you know, the exchange into like a, a set of bare bones that makes it super easy and simple and fluid to occur. Cool. Uh, now, now, how, how does it work exactly? Because that's the biggest thing that I've been, uh, that I need to figure out is how does it work? Yeah, totally. So the big thing with Puka Trade is that on the site, uh, you are trading for uh, trade credits called Puka Points uh, instead of like actual uh, cards in that moment. And that's, that's how we're able to facilitate like this one-way trade. So the whole idea is, you know, you put cards on your have list, 
uh, and then you head over to the send page and uh, you find people who want the cards you have. And you just send them to them. You can just send out as many cards to whoever wants them. Uh, and as those cards arrive, uh, the people will complete the trades uh, once they get it and everything looks good. And when they complete the trade, uh, you get Puka points equivalent to the value of the cards you sent. And then once you have those, people can see the cards on your want list and they'll send you cards just like you did for your trading partners. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So now, now, why did you even come up with this idea, or how did you come up with this idea, and why did you create this website in the first place? Basically, uh, just to give you a little history of uh, you know my experience with the game of Magic, like I started playing around Mirage back in I think it was like '94 or so, and uh, yeah, I was playing mostly through high school, uh, but then stopped. I took I took a huge break from like 2000 to 2008, okay. and when I uh, got back into it, I was like, hey, let me just check it check it out and see what's going on, and uh, I noticed that the game had gotten so much better. Like that, that whole decade of cards that had been made uh, were was awesome. Like they did amazing things for the game and made it way better. Uh, but I also noted that I noticed that um, you know acquiring cards had become uh, prohibitively expensive in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of cash that I wanted to be spending on magic cards. So I kind of uh, uh, you know turned to the internet as like a way to potentially trade. And uh, I was shocked to find that. Uh, one didn't exist. Like there was no real adequate way that uh, wasn't like a huge hassle or, or uh, to my mind, a pain. So uh, yeah, we decided to build a build a better way. That's awesome. Um, so uh, for me, as someone who would potentially be using the site, uh, how do you account for the uh, fluctuation of the prices of cards on the secondary market with your service? Like you know, if a card like spikes a gp or something that maybe was under the radar before uh how do you account for that that spike yeah so uh, we're actually we're constantly kind of looking at uh you know the totality of magic cards that exist and following the prices of them uh very closely to create sort of like a fair trade value uh that we're updating multiple times a day on the site uh so yeah we just it's just uh, we knew that prices were super important and it was something we had to nail and we just spend a lot of time and energy uh, making sure that uh, those prices are accurate at all times. Right on. And I guess because if I'm if I'm understanding the way the service works, I guess that that's not that big of a issue if the card is undervalued, people just won't ship that card, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one thing that's uh, that's kind of cool about it is that uh, the you know the sender always has control over whether or not they want to send something or not, and uh, you know people have a variety of different reasons for choosing to or not to, and uh, yeah, I think for the most part everybody just feels really good about our prices, and uh, you know for ninety nine point five percent of the time everyone's like, yeah, that's the value of the card, I'll send this card for that, and uh, it works. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know there is like I would say that uh, you know point like half a percent of uh, you know margin of error that does happen. But uh, that's one of the good things about having like a bunch of guys kind of standing by to take care of it. Like as soon as uh, people let us know, we're able to just hop in there and and kind of adjust things on the fly. Uh, we also have uh, we we try to like crowdsource it a little bit uh, by every price that we represent on the site on every card page. There's just a little red flag next to the price. So, uh, yeah, if you ever see something that you're like, wait a minute, this price is a little off. When you click the flag, uh, we get an automatic notification about it. And so we can just kind of dive in and, and make sure everything looks good. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've had bad experiences trading online in the past. Uh, specifically, it was one big trade where I got completely ripped off by somebody. I, I want to say there were there may have been muta vaults and thought seasons involved. And I 
didn't I never got anything and it was just I was just completely ripped off. Uh, so how is your service different from other uh, online trading markets, which I don't even know. Like, I, honestly, I don't even know if those exist anymore, <laughs> which you would figure like it's so backwards because, you know, the internet is way more just everywhere than it was six, seven years ago when I was using these services, you know, like to see the, that sort of thing shrink, maybe because people's trust has, has, has lessened and things like that. Like, so, um, how is your service different from other, online trading markets in terms of customer safety yeah well that's that's always been a huge priority from uh, for us from uh, day one and uh, basically what we do is we offer a hundred percent trade guarantee uh, that says look anytime you actually send a card out to anyone we guarantee you that you'll receive the puka points for that card uh, and uh, you know we're able to accomplish that because we have uh, an entire uh, sort of case resolution team that's constantly looking at uh, anything that comes up and diving in to help out uh, so, yeah, I mean, you could think of it a little bit like uh, eBay's protection program in the sense that, uh, you know, if you send a card and then it, it doesn't arrive, you can uh, open a case. And then uh, usually, um, you know, on, I would say on the vast majority of cases that get opened, uh, the two traders are able to work it out amongst each other and mm -hmm. no admin assistance is even required. Uh, but on, on those times where, uh, you know, they aren't able to resolve it on their own, you just click one button and we hop in and, and kind of facilitate the exchange and, and make sure everybody's taken care of. Now, now here's the one thing that I, I'm – I think that it's the one thing that makes me a little hesitant to sign on. Like, so let's say I have – I don't know how many points on Puka Trade. Let's say I have some points on Puka Trade and, like, I, I need a specific card. Um, can I request a card from somebody who has it in their collection, or do I have to wait for someone to ship it to me? Right, yeah. No, at this time, you, you can't. You can't actually even see other people's collections. And okay. that's kind of, you know, therein lies the actual beauty of our, of our system, I believe. Because, uh, you know, the way I see it is that every magic card is the same. You know, as long as it's in the correct edition and condition, like, there's no difference between... Uh, any number of magic cards. So rather than find one particular person who may or may not be willing to send you the card and sort of like hitting them up and asking for it or, you know, trying to go shopping to make a transaction, mm -hmm. instead we just post your want on a, essentially a big bulletin board and then anyone who's prepared to send it at that moment is able to hop on in and do that. Now, so the, the, the really crazy thing about that is that uh, it gives like a real... The, a real world reward to the people who are actively kind of patrolling or keeping an eye on that send a card page. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that people are most surprised about when they first interact with our service is just how quickly their wants get snatched up. I mean, <laughs> for most, you know, certainly standard and modern staples and, and to some extent even like the legacy and commander stuff, for most cards really, like the moment you put them on your want list when you have points, they get snatched up immediately. I mean, we're <laughs> talking like 10 to 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, and it was it was surprising. I mean, I never uh, I never necessarily knew that that would be the case, but it was uh, it was it was always amazing when essentially from day one, uh, that's kind of what started happening. That's so, that's that's amazing to me. Like that's cool because like you know it was one of those things where mentally I've always felt like, well, if I do this and I put all these and I send all these cards off and then I've got all these points, I post cards up here, you know, and I'm going to be sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and no one's going to ever send me these cards. Or, you know, like that's kind of the – that's what I thought might happen. 
you know, yeah. or what I feared might happen. I know, but it sounds like it's the exact opposite. Yeah, no, I mean, I can I can totally understand that that fear. I mean, even even me as the site creator, I, I remember the moment when I shipped my first card out uh, to someone I didn't know, and it was it was a it was a crazy moment, you know. Like I, I had I don't even know what it was. It was like some fifteen twenty dollar card that you know I, I I liked and wanted, and there was just that moment where I put it in the envelope, and I was like dropping it off in the mailbox and there's just this this real sense of like well here we go you know let's, <laughs> let's see what happens you know um, right. but i think uh you know once you actually do it and you see like how uh sought after these trades are and these puka points are uh you know it it, it instills so much confidence in the system and uh, that's actually one of the reasons that we uh, we credit all new members with uh, 700 points just for signing up. It's like seven dollars worth of cards. One puka point is one cent, so yeah. 700, seven bucks. You know, just for like signing up and going through like the initiation process where you learn how to do it. As you do that, you can earn points and you get uh, hit with the wet towels and all that. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. that's not part of the initiation. <laughs> or the oh, or the God. scene in old school with the with the rocks and the string. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that. Well, hey, um, yeah. I mean the the Puka fraternity. That's for another cast. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean when that's that's one of the reasons that we hook people up and we kind of try, try to pay it forward so they get to uh, you know receive before they have to give and and yeah. just kind of get the feel for how it all goes down. Right on. Cool. Cool. All right. So. Card Kingdom offers like 30% bonuses to store credit if you, you know, buy list them cards. Uh, Different sites will do that sort of thing. What's the advantage of using your site as opposed to just doing something like that and getting the specific cards you want? Well, I think there's a couple bonuses or a couple really, uh, really, you know, good things about about Puka Trade uh, that... uh, uh, that might not be necessarily true of Card Kingdom. I mean, I guess my first question would be like, what are their buy list prices? You know, mm-hmm. are their buy list prices thirty percent of the actual value of the card? I mean, they're because they're not they're not full value, and they're probably right. not seventy percent, right? Right, I, right. My guess is that even with that thirty percent bonus, you're probably taking a little bit of a hit, and uh, you know that just. Frankly, like as Eric Freitag, the magic player, I just never liked doing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my really good friends or a couple of them in particular are totally down with that. They're like, oh, come on. I love just taking this box of, of, of uh, you know, cards and dropping it off at a dealer booth. And then, yeah, sure, I'm taking a hit. But, you know, it's so easy. It's just like I get to do it in one quick transaction right then and there. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, I think for, for a different class of, of trader that is looking at, you know, our, our trade binders and these collections and thinking, man, there's so much latent value in there. If only I could exchange these things for full value. Uh, I think there's a lot more room to kind of like conserve the value of your collection. Um, so, I mean, I think that's one thing. Uh, probably the, the other thing to consider is that Card Kingdom doesn't want every card. You know, yeah. they, uh, you know they probably are wanting, you know, chase rares, uh, you know, staples for, for the various formats uh, that they can kind of move quickly on their site. Uh, but uh, on Puka Trade, you're actually just trading with the entire world, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people want some really wild, crazy stuff. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's one of the uh, another misconception that uh, I and I know a lot of people had uh, initially coming into this is that oh, everybody just wants the Snapcasters. You know, everybody right. just wants 
the dual lands and everybody's just going to want the same stuff and nobody's going to want the, the other stuff. And, you know, the reality is that, uh, you know, chase rares are, are certainly like a part of any deck that you're probably building. But right. uh, there's also a lot of other uh, support cards that play huge roles in, in, in the decks that you're building. And another thing to consider is that not everyone plays the same format as you. You know, there's, right. there's you know, standard, modern, legacy, popper, uh, you know, shutter, commander. Yeah, <laughs> totally. There's cubes that people build. There's uncommon cubes. There's Innistrad cubes. It's like there's. I, well, I think one of the strengths of Magic: The Gathering is just that there's so many different ways to play this game, and uh, you know uh, that's one great thing about Puka Trade is that we're connecting you with people who are playing different, uh, you know, different formats of Magic than the playgroup or the or the people in your local community at your LGS. The, like the main reason why I even asked that question is because of the. You know, if when you do a buy list and you do the store credit, and then you can just go, I want that card, that card, that card, that card, and you and you you're, you're going to get those cards fast. Now, like what you've said makes me think that you know doing it through Puka Trade isn't gonna. It might even be faster because you're not waiting for them to process your entire thing and do all that. Once you have the points, people start sending you the cards. Yeah, I, yeah, this is cool because literally. Like I think the main reason I wanted you on here was to convince me to use Puka Trade, <laughs> and I'm I'm dead serious, you know, and and I because I want to be able to use the site. I just wasn't exactly sure how it worked, and like because it seems like a really cool thing, and I, I mean I signed up for it. I've got my 700 points. I think I've got them all. I I, I know there were a couple steps. I think I've got them. I'm not really sure, but I think I'm gonna get on there and dig a little deeper and figure this thing out. Um, so. Anyway, are, are you uh, happy with the response to the site so far? How long has the site been around? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely happy with it. Well, we've been around since uh, – well, we exited the beta stage of development in uh, November of 2013. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a couple couple years now uh, going on, going on uh, yeah, since the initial launch, uh, and I'm super happy. We've received a tremendous amount of support from the community, both in, like, positive feedback, constructive criticism. People are super – like actively engaged in it and uh you know it feels incredible it's it's awesome to see how far we've come you know we've now facilitated uh, almost 600,000 trades That's uh so worth, cool. yeah the worth total of like two and a half million dollars like if you piled all of these cards that have been traded on the site into a pile it would be worth two and a half million dollars <laughs> you know, that's, that's awesome. It feels incredible. You know, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a huge impact on the commerce of the magic community. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier with that. It feels amazing. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, what is the one thing, if there was one thing that you could say to the listeners of this show to clarify about Puka trade, right? So if there's one thing that you could clarify about Puka trade, uh, to our listeners, what would that be? Hmm. Good question. Well, I think, I think one thing that's really awesome about it that uh, a lot of people might not know is that Puka Trade is actually a gift economy. Uh, it's a completely different uh, exchange paradigm that, uh, that you know, there's certainly other gift economies out there, but it's not something we come into contact with all that much in, you know, our capitalist world. And uh, it's a different way of doing things. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot that goes, goes along with that, you know. Um, uh, just for those who don't know, uh, a gift economy is basically just a marketplace in which there's no specific guarantee of reciprocity. You know, there's no uh, there's no guarantee uh, that you know you will you receive uh, anything for what you give. 
But uh, I think the really empowering thing is that, you know, although that may sound scary, once you actually dip your toe and, and try it, you'll realize that it's not an issue at all. It's kind of like we talked about before, how people are, are, are so, uh, so quick to, to send you stuff and participate in this act of giving. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just feels incredible. Like, uh, I, I guess uh, you kind of got to try it to see what it's like. Um, but uh, there's just a certain beauty in kind of like mailing out cards that you're not using to the universe and then watching the universe provide for you in return. It's it's incredibly liberating. It's an unreal feeling. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just really engenders goodwill amongst strangers. Absolutely. Uh, you're, 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 you're inspiring me right now to go get a stack of envelopes and a stack of top loaders uh, <laughs> next time I go out. <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you do. Yeah. I'm dead serious, man. This is awesome. So uh, you're doing an Indiegogo campaign currently. Um, what are you hoping to add to Puka Trade with the campaign? Well, this campaign is is super exciting to us, and it's very near and dear to the hearts of everyone on the team. And uh, really what we're trying to do is finance uh, five really big features that our community has been asking us for. And they're like very large development goals that are very involved. But, uh, you know, we have a proven track record, and I know we can just blow this out of the park. Uh, So I think the biggest and most exciting feature that we're trying to uh, develop is support for Magic Online cards. Now, this is kind of groundbreaking, actually, because right now you can only trade paper cards on the site. Uh, Mm. But if we started supporting digital cards, we would be building uh, a world where you could exchange digital cards for their paper counterparts and vice versa. Mm. You know, we we that's just something that doesn't really exist right now. And I think it has huge implications for uh, the magic community at large. You know, one of the. One of the things that's always sort of blown me away is that there's like these two different segments of Magic player, right? You got yeah. your online player and then you got your paper player. And me. like, yeah. you know, it's not, not people don't always go back and forth between those things. And right. uh, the idea of kind of creating a bridge between these two communities and allowing there to be this fluidity, uh, you know, back and forth between them uh, just is so exciting to all of us. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because like I don't play magic online especially not constructed but i mean if i were able to trade paper cards for you know maybe like whatever like one standard deck or something on there just to be able to grind it i might do that you know what i mean like i'm I'm, i've always been hesitant to put money into mtgo but that kind of circumvents that and allows you to just you know put cards into it right yeah i know i think everybody feels that way you know the idea of just kind of starting over from scratch with your collection is i mean (laughs) it's daunting you know but but at least at least you have an amazing user-friendly interface to do it on oh yeah yeah that's (laughs) i can't even say that with a straight face i can't even say that with a straight face no but (laughs) but seriously like like there is a lot of like a lot of hesitation on my end in terms of like investing real life dollars into a a program that just seems fundamentally flawed yeah Um, you know and i think you touch on something that was was certainly a concern for us where we were trying to figure out if this was actually a direction we wanted to go you know Obviously, uh, Magic Online receives a lot of criticism, and uh, you know, um, I'm not going to say it's not all warranted. I mean, there's, you know, people when people are pouring a tremendous amount of money into this game, I think they have certain expectations of what uh, of what it should feel like and what it should be like. Uh, right. But it's it's also- not like the packs on there cost like a quarter of the price of like a physical pack. They cost yeah. the same price. Like. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Like if 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 I if I were playing in a magic tournament, like if I were playing in an eight man draft at my local store and then like I wasn't allowed to start the finals of the of the of the tournament, like it would be unacceptable. It's like, oh, Wizards isn't going to allow you to finish this tournament. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm right here. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I totally understand that. Uh, but the, the reason that we did decide to move forward with it was just that, like, we actually believe in, in Wizards of the Coast. Like, we mm-hmm. know that they have heard this criticism. And we know that, uh, you know, Magic Online represents, like, a huge portion of, uh, of their business model. And yeah. uh, I think that, uh, you know, they would be insane to abandon it or do nothing, nothing about it. And, you know, occasionally we hear this sort of trickle-down reports of what they're working on. And uh, it ultimately does feel like they are bringing the product in the right direction. And uh, we do do you think that people will be playing online magic for some time yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And it's, you know, it's more of uh, me taking a step back and hoping that they fix things than like saying I'm never going to play online again. You know, and but but I and regardless of everything I've said, I like the idea of having the option to to trade for cards and you know and having it available to people i mean there are loads of players online so you know even if like me personally like if i didn't utilize that part of the service it doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist you know oh yeah totally totally um so so that's the main so what other things are you adding to yeah the site? so there's yeah four other features besides that that we're pretty stoked about uh the next one is uh support for non-english cards like right now um y- you can actually only trade english cards uh, on puka trade uh, Very good to know. Thank you, because I have a lot of non-English cards. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Totally. And, yeah, we're super excited to kind of, like, uh, take that step into the international community. Like, we, mm-hmm. we are a global site. You don't have to be, you know, in America or anything to trade on the site. We are global. But uh, what that means is that a lot of, the, a lot of people's collections in, uh, you know, non-English-speaking countries, understandably, don't, are, are not English, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't have necessarily all the English cards. So I, I know that's been sort of a frustrating pain point for people in the past. And, you know, frankly, even like people in America, uh, I, you know, are, are searching for these, you know, chase Russian foils and, you know, you know Japanese decks and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got to support that. Uh, so that's, that's one of the big things. It kind of represents, it, it's going to be a big job for sure but yeah uh, yeah we, we got to do it i mean foreign cards are so cool like i love how uh looking at a card that's uh that's not in the english language really makes you focus on the art you know it's yeah about it like makes the art look better what other things you got going on we got to get support for condition as well like right now yeah. uh you know similarly we only support near mint cards so the cards that you trade on the site they got to be near mint uh and uh uh, yeah, the, the condition feature just allows us to uh, basically, uh, you know, account for price differences in cards of various condition. Yeah. And it kind of uh, also builds the tools necessary, uh, you know, to arbitrate a potential dispute that might come up. Because uh, let's face it, like one one man's uh, slightly played is not necessarily another's. And, uh, True. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, we expect that there will be, you know, some amount of discussion that's going to happen back and forth between traders about that. And we just want to make sure that they have the tools to, uh, you know, resolve those really easily and and just and, uh, you know, hopefully even, you know, provide them the communication tools to stop disputes before they even happen. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and after that, uh, we're we're tackling mobile. Uh, yeah, like uh, we thought about the idea of making a mobile app or an iOS app or an Android app or something. And what we realized is like the the best way forward is actually to just 
uh, you know, design the entire site responsively so that uh, no matter what device you're on, be it like a cell phone or an iPad or a laptop or whatever, uh, the, uh, you're getting the best possible experience on the, on your device. So yeah, that's a, yeah, that's kind of a big job. And then finally, uh, the kind of like most understated feature, but I think one of the most interesting ones is support for quantity. Like right now, every Mm -hmm. single card, every single card is kind of like its own unique item. Uh, or line item on the site. And uh, quantity, just kind of like uh, incorporating quantity into the picture allows for sort of like a more complex uh, package exchange that can happen between two people. Uh, it also does a couple really cool peripheral things. Like it, it allows you to choose which versions of a card you want. Like, uh, so if you want, for example, like uh, the Birds of Paradise is an example I use in, in the in the crowdfunding campaign. If you yeah. want like a, uh, you know, a Birds of Paradise, but you only want like a white bordered version of it in a certain language, you can actually, it gives you a, a huge amount of granularity over the cards that are actually coming to you. That's really cool. I actually like that a lot because yeah, it's awesome. It's like, it's really hard to explain, but it's going to do really cool things to the actual act of trading. Right. Yeah, no. And, and like, I, I felt like, you know, going into this that, you know, that the site might be hard to explain, but no. <laughs> it seems like you've got it down, and I figured if anyone could explain it, the creator of the site, like if 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 I got done talking to you and I still didn't know how Puka Trade worked, then Puka Trade's just too damn confusing, like straight up. But like I figured if anyone could explain it to me in a way I would understand, it would be you. And hopefully, you know, our listeners will also have that same experience. So this is really cool. Um, I'll have a link to the Indiegogo campaign in our show notes. Yeah. Go support, go support it, and um, you know, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to using this site. I really am. Um, awesome, yeah, that's so cool to hear. It's awesome to hear positive feedback, and uh, yeah, just in case people want to check it out, uh, head over to igg.me/at/puka, and yeah, we'll get that show the the link in the show notes, of course. But uh, just figured I'd toss it out there. Absolutely, that's great. Um, so uh, anyway, let's move on to the Dragons of Tarkir spoilers. Steven made some predictions. He basically predicted <laughs> uh, totally what uh, Dragons of Tarkir was going to be um, a couple episodes ago. So, Steven, how right were you? Oh, like, totally right. Yeah. Like, I would say 95%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't even know which, which episode it was. Several episodes ago, yeah. I had some grand conspiracy theory. That wasn't like, I didn't think it was that hard to figure out or whatever, but that... right. Dragons of Tarkir would basically be an allied color, like it, the theme would be allied color clans led by the dragons that are the rares from Fate Reforged. Mm-hmm. Although I thought they would be allied color hybrid. You did, yes. Yeah, so, because I thought that's what that the direction they were going, where like you could still use all the um, uh, dual lands and fetch lands that you're getting in Fate Reforged, but if they were still hybrid colored, it'd, it'd kind of be like a Lorwyn set where you'd have like multicolored, but you could still be like the same color mm-hmm. that didn't happen it's still uh a clan set and it's allied color themes um so basically the the dragons from fate reforged grew up and became elder dragons and now they lead their own clans that are kind of like similar or parallel to the clans from the broods uh, broods sorry broods cruise the house of <laughs> yeah and uh the the the, the watermark for the the set is the same as if you look at any of the sieges um, or basically any card with uh, like a modular, like where you have to choose one, like uh, Valorous Stance or 
uh, Crux of Fate mm-hmm. or any of the sieges, like Outpost Siege, Frontier Siege, whatever, if you get the foil, um, where you get to choose between you know two different modes, and on the sieges you get to choose between cons and dragons. Right. Um, on the foil, the when you like you know shift it back and forth in the light, it changes from the cons of Tarkir. Uh, set symbol to what I presumed was the Dragons of Tarkir symbol, which it is. Yeah. Um, so basically, this is the present day. So, Khans of Tarkir, you're in the present day where there's warring uh, clans or cons, and uh, Sarkin goes back in time to prevent his uh, homeboy Ugin from getting offed by Nicol Bolas and causes all kinds of terrible consequences in the, the present day when he returns back. And in the case of Dragons of Tarkir, it's uh, the fact that the the Khans have lost the War of the Dragons. Now the Dragons are running things. Uh, in fact, it's in the art of one of the cards, which is people were talking about earlier today, um, of the Elder version of Silumgar. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah I think I posted this <laughs> on my on my notes for Silumgar. Yeah. Yeah, where he's wearing, he's literally wearing Tassigur. Who would have been, or he was, the leader of the uh, the Soltai clan or Khan in uh, Fate Reforged. He's wearing him as a as a, as a centerpiece of his necklace. He's just like That's a piece of his bling. Pretty, that is pretty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I never knew that at all. <laughs> That's really sweet. So Sarkin goes back and goes to Ugin and says, "Where we're going, we don't need roads or something." No, but um. <laughs> So we're back to the future now, and um, there are some new mechanics and some new old mechanics. Uh, Rebound is back, which is sweet. Um, hoping, hoping, hoping for a Stagger Shock reprint because I actually, actually no, there will not be one. I just, I just figured that out. Why? Because the new clans are only two colors, and for the Jeskai version, it's blue white. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so rebound is the Jeskai ability. Oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. That's how I figured out that it was an allied color set because in Fate Reforged, they preview two of the new mechanics, which mm-hmm. is um, uh, bolster and dash. Right. And they're supposed to be the Abzan and Mardu uh, mechanics, res- uh, respectively. But if you look at Fate Reforged uh, for bolster, it's only on the white and the green cards. Like there's mm-hmm. no there's no black cards with bolster on it. And then for the Mardu mechanic, uh, for dash, it's only on black and red. Hmm. So the third color does not get that uh, huh, ability. That's crazy, like. dude. That's yeah. some pretty pretty amazing investigatory journalism right there. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's 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 our super sleuth here. So <laughs> sure. Um, so. Uh, Exploit is another new ability. Tell me about that. So rebound is only on blue and white. So exploit, whose whose ability is that? Uh, exploit is the um, Sultai mechanic, and that's on black and I'm blue. assuming blue. Yeah, blue. We'd have to assume if it's if we're sticking with this theme of allied colors. Yeah, I guess yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. Um, and so exploit is when the creature enters the battlefield that has exploit, you may sacrifice a creature, and then you get an effect if you sacrifice that creature. Right. And I, I didn't realize this at the time, 
Um, but you could just sacrifice the creature that has the exploit on it if if it's your only creature that you can cast. If you like, oh yeah, if you desperately need that effect, like that was it, like I was trying to judge these cards. It's like, oh yeah, you could just sacrifice that creature, right? So uh, that's the Sultai or black blue mechanic. Okay. So the remaining mechanics that weren't in Fate Reforged, and we didn't even mention what Rebound is, in case you weren't playing around. Um, oh yeah, good point. Rise of the Eldrazi, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was Rise. Oh. I assume yeah. that everyone's like 50 years old and like walking with a cane, like <laughs> me. Yeah. So rebound is for sorceries or instants, and if that card has rebound, uh, if you cast the spell from your hand, you exile it as it resolves. So the card has to resolve for the for it to gain the rebound ability. So, uh, and once it does, uh, you exile it as it resolves, and at the beginning of your next upkeep you may cast the card from exile without paying its mana cost, and since you cast it from exile, then it goes away after that. So you get you get it twice. Once when you cast it, and then once on your next upkeep if it resolves. This is sweet. I love this mechanic so much. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that that does make me sad, though, that it's only going to be in blue and white, I think. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you're right, actually. I don't... Certainly that's all they've spoiled so far. Yep. So then the next mechanic that was not in Fate Reforged, because we already had Bolster and we already had Dash, um, is uh, Formidable. <laughs> and the the teamer mechanic was already kind of like, kind of ham-fisted or ham-handed uh, in uh, Constant Tarkir, because it yeah. seemed a lot like Naya, where it was just like it cared about creatures with five power or greater. Right. And it, it still seems like they, have, <laughs> like they really haven't figured it out, because... <laughs> So formidable. Aren't they out of time? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of too late. This is, this is the last, uh, the last set in the block. So I guess they're not going to figure this one out. But formidable is basically if if you control it. No, sorry. If creatures you control in total have power eight or greater, then they gain some ability. That's what the formidable trigger is. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of similar to ferocious. So ferocious was. If you control a creature with power four or greater, you get some bonus. This is if you control creatures with total power eight or greater, then you get some other bonus. Mm-hmm. I love how nothing is as formidable as Mossward Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> as the most formidable bridge. <laughs> God, I, I play that in... So and whenever I do play EDH, which is very rarely. <laughs> yeah, that's an EDH joke, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was like, that's, yeah, that's the hideaway card that cares about total, was it total power 10 or greater? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's formidable yes. 10. Formidablest. Yeah. Formidablest most bridge. formidable. And then there's uh, there's one last like kind of new mechanic in the block for Dragon. Yeah, speaking Ball. of speaking of just tacking something on to other abilities like formidableist, uh, <laughs> yeah. we've also got this lovely use of the English language it is uh, mega super extreme morph. Uh, <laughs> morph extreme formidamorph. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically. So yeah. They, uh, I was reading the, I guess it's uh, Mark Rosewater article, the the Making Magic, and they're talking about how they wanted Morph to be from cons, and then you go back in the past, and it's like Proto-Morph, which is, uh, oh gosh, what is it even called? Yes, correct. 
Move yeah. on. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> so you go back to the present. Manifest. Manifest. Thank you. <laughs> and so you go back to the present. There's like a different altered morph. And he talks about how like basically they came up with like four or five different versions of this. And none of them were working. So they, <laughs> they just came up with – because they wanted it to be like an alternate cost where you, 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 know, you morph it for four mana and it's morphed with like one mana on it. Like one, I'm sorry, one plus one plus one counter on the morphed creature, but it just didn't make sense because then you could tell the morphs from the alternative morphs apart. <laughs> That's so, true, yeah. So they basically, I think they just gave up. This is like, <laughs> you know, it's like 3 a.m., you're working on your paper, and you're like, you know what, it's too late. I'm just going to have to turn this in as it is. Uh, Megamorph, <laughs> which is basically you morph for three, so it's still like, it looks like a morph card, mm-hmm. but to unmorph it it has a megamorph cost and if you unmorph it or turn it face up for the megamorph cost it uh you put a plus one plus one counter on it as you turn it face up can i just say that megamorph is just a hilariously terrible name for something as unexciting and like not different as just morphing and putting a plus one plus one counter on it like yeah, I like, am totally inclined to agree with that statement. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like, oh my, I'm like, whoa, Mega. Like, when the first time I, I read the words, I was like, oh, Mega Morph, what does that do? Oh, the exact same thing as Morph, only it gets a plus one, plus one <laughs> counter. That's it? Like, you really got my hopes up with that name. Like, yeah. and yeah. I was like, oh, wow. I've never thought of, like, putting a plus one, plus one counter on something as mega-sizing it. Like, I'm like, oh, now it's a mega-creature because it has one, plus one, plus one counter on it. What are you going to do now? Nothing. <laughs> That's what. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, still, it's a cool uh, ability. It's it's yeah. fine. I mean, as, as an ability, it's fine. Yeah, like, it's cool. No, I, I was in your camp at first, too, where I was just like, well – Wait a minute now. They they made this card's stats a little bit lower so that they could put a 1-1 one, one counter on it so that the card could actually be reasonable, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not It's not that different from Morph. I mean, I guess it does give it a little bit more spread where, like, the act of unmorphing something, I guess, becomes a little bit more epic. And it immediately gets any Outlast abilities you already have on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's kind of that Abzan plus one one counters matter type of thing, which is, you know, it's uh, worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I definitely – I'm in the camp as well that they could have gone a little bit further with this. And it's like sort of like the name does kind of feel a little bit like hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean like maybe if it was like when you Mighty unmorph – like, Mighty Morph, Mighty yeah. Morph. That would make Jeff Foster really happy. I no, think uh, sweet. I think it'd be sweet if they could, if you could, if a lot of Mega Morph cards had the ability that you could turn them back face over, because a lot of them do have like other effects. When oh, they turn face up. and like that would be kind of cool. Is that it? Just you could keep morphing it. It's a and you keep morph. adding plus one plus one counters. Yeah. Or like, or where you're like it, out of mana, or you have all the mana. Right. Or it could have like an. Or it could, you could morph it. Like and then the mega morph would be when you pay the morph cost, you may also pay X if you do. This creature gets X plus one plus one counters on it. Oh, that's good. That, that's that'd really be too good, good I think. <laughs> Maybe Limited, too good. Yeah. You're right, because that's a good mana sink. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's, then that's again, for metamorph right there. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's Formidamorph. Uh, Formidamegamorph. Um, so, uh, anyway, let me go ahead and read the first spoiler here on the list. Uh, the first spoiler that we've got for you is Horseman Eagle. Horseman Eagle is a mythic rare. It's an artifact creature, Horseman Eagle. Its power and toughness are star, star. It costs four white Phyrexian black, blue-red hybrid, blue-white hybrid, and it says... When Eagle comes onto the draw horse two battlefields, this card is a man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is not a spoiler I like from <laughs> what? Oh, I was gonna say I like how you can read this card in multiple ways. You know, like when Eagle comes onto the draw horse two battlefields. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so this is, <laughs> as Steven put it, from the place where they put the spoilers, Watsy doesn't want you to see. Uh, this is actually a Tumblr. It's, uh, ymtgcardsmith.tumblr.com, and it's basically fake card, or, you know, user-created cards, um, from MTG Cardsmith that are just the absolute pits just the worst of the worst um i'm sure a couple of them were just made to be intentionally bad but anyway this is an awesome tumblr you should check it out um but moving on to the real spoilers uh the first we're starting from uh, we're on we're on mythic spoiler we're on the newest spoilers list and then we're starting from the bottom and now we're here um love it thank you uh Deathbringer Regent. Um, the Deathbringer Regent is a big old dragon. It's a 5-6 flyer. This is one of the launch... Uh, this is the launch promo, right? Um, it's 2 black and 5. It's a rare. It's a dragon. It's 5-6 flying. When Deathbringer Regent enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand and there are five or more other creatures on the battlefield, destroy all other creatures. So, uh, yeah. This card... I mean, okay. If we want to talk about standard, right? It seems like a good sideboard option for blue-black control against green devotion. Or maybe against tokens, I guess, too. But not at seven mana. You're not going to live to see seven mana against tokens. Uh, but out of outside of that, it's just too expensive and too narrow to see standard play. Um, it's obviously a sealed bomb. And it's the kind of card that I would see in pack one uh, of my draft and would draft it and lose before i ever got to seven mana because i just draft sealed decks like an idiot um so uh for all these cards we're we are just kind of predicting if we think they'll see standard play or not and my overall uh take on that is no uh steven yeah i say no but for limited like it'll be um i'll be interested to see if this is like if seven mana is relevant and limited so, uh, especially for dragons, because it's supposed to be like a dragon set. Yeah. Uh, which kind of makes it hard, because normally dragons cost like five, six, seven, whatever mana. And it's hard to have a deck with like eight, seven drops. Yeah. So, so either there's going to be up to something that like cheats dragons into play or makes them cheaper. Or a lot of ramp for dragons. Mm -hmm. Like Eldrazi or Eldragon 
dragon spawns, maybe? Dragon. I don't know. Eldragi. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. They're, they're Eldrazi dragon tokens. They're... Yeah. Well, wow, we're just like... coming up with all sorts of hybrids. This is a... Uh... Wow, okay. That, that sounds like a card for the Tumblr we were discussing earlier. Um... <laughs> Eldragi dragon spawn. <laughs> yeah, or... Or they're just going to like slow the format down enough where like you can play cards like this in a relevant manner. Uh, it's not going to see any kind of standard play because for one more mana, you can get Ugin, and that's just a lot better. Yeah. What? I... What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean Ugin is better than Deathbringer Regent? Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. Although, although, <laughs> if Ugin wants to come down, and I don't think he can actually exile this. Because does Ugin have six or seven loyalty? I can't even remember. Oh, I think he has seven, right? I think he has seven. Yeah, he starts with seven. So if they want to cast the um, Ugin, then it can kill... It can, And he wants to minus? Then he has to minus seven to kill... So for some unknown reason, if your opponent has like a, death, a Deathbringer Regent out, and then you cast your Ugin, like it's just a one-for-one. One. So I guess it's, you know standard all-star so anyway eric what do you think of this yeah no i I think you guys hit the nail on the head here um i actually think it's gonna see a little bit of limited play because the effect is just so strong Uh, i would actually i would play this in limited you know um i I think that it's really gonna you know get you out of those situations where uh there's like some amount of board stall that happens you know you're playing sultai or you're playing abzan and and the, the board's getting really like clogged up and cluttered up well, when you drop this guy, uh, it's going to be so hard to deal with. By then, by that point in the late game, they've probably, you know, exhausted uh, their hand. They're not going to have too much removal laying around waiting for it. And when you slam this guy down, uh, he's just going to take over the game. Um, but as far as standard goes, I don't think so. Uh, it doesn't seem like it actually fits uh, anywhere because the only deck that would really kind of want him is a controlling deck that is actually going to be able to play a seven-drop creature uh, and uh, that deck can't allow five other creatures to be on the battlefield, you know? It's certainly, that control deck is not playing those creatures itself, and the only way it's surviving till turn seven is by killing, uh, in a sort of like a one-for-one basis, all of the threats that get presented by the opponent. Uh, so I, I just don't think, uh, I don't think it fits. I, don't think, I think it kind of works against itself uh, from a yeah. conceptual standpoint. Yeah, no, I agree. It, yeah, it's the definition of a limited control deck bomb. Like yeah, this is yeah. what this is what you're setting up the board for is like you right. want like set up a position where you you know draw or you know have this in your hand and cast it and then take over the game. Yeah, this guy's he's gonna be all over EDH too, uh, which <laughs> man, that's like the most frustrating thing about Commander is like the number of board rats that exist. <laughs> like, or the, the oh second... god, yeah, it counts every cre. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, th- that is the second most frustrating thing about Commander. The first being ever playing Commander. <laughs> but anyway, I I know at this point in my life what I like and what I don't like, and the things I don't like, I just don't do. Um, yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. We, we kind of tried to start fixing Commander in my play group, like by going from 40 life to 30 life. And we're like, oh, okay, that actually improved it. And then I was like, yeah, let's try 20. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. But the game still lasted forever. So finally we're like, all right, let's just do a one life game. <laughs> we started the game where everyone started at one and still went for an hour and a half. <laughs> there, there is going to be like some, like, I don't know, some sociology, like, like, PhD student is going to write like a Das Kapital for 
EDH playgroups. Like they all go through the same evolution, uh, where <laughs> where everyone gets tired of the same thing happening, so they try to change the rules, and eventually it just like collapses in on itself, much like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. like Mark, all Mark's Commander. prediction of capitalism. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, like all Commander games sufficiently advanced become standard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you guys. Um <laughs> This is great. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh Stratus Dancer. Steven, you wanna read this one? Sure. Stratus Dancer. One in a blue for a creature Jin Monk. Uh no, no thank you, no thank you. I don't drink anymore. Uh I do. Uh flying <laughs> with Megamorph for one in a blue. So you can unmorph this guy for one in a blue. He comes into play, or he turns face up with a plus one, plus one counter on him. And when Stratus Dancer is turned face up, counter target instant or sorcery spell, and he's a 2-1. So worst case scenario, you've got 2-1 flyer for one in a blue. Um, I think, actually, yeah, okay. I'm going to get an echo microphone, like one of those little cheap plastic ones, you know, mm-hmm. like from when you were kids. And every time I play a Megamorph, I'm going to go Megamorph into the into the echo microphone. <laughs> I really want to do that. I'm actually I'm seriously going to do that. We actually don't have those microphones anymore at my work, which is very strange because we had them for forever. Anyway, um, I love this card. Uh, I think this card's really good. I mean, yeah, like you said, worst case scenario, it's a 2-1 flyer for two. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that this card, best fit, is... Four of sideboard control mirror. Um, because, you know, obviously you play a control mirror. They're going to take most of their removal out game one. Um, the only removal they're going to keep in is probably like Hero's Downfall because that hits your planeswalkers. You have these things down at that point. You can swing in for two. They eventually try to, they eventually pull the trigger, try to kill it. You flip it over, counter the, counter the removal spell. I mean, I think it's a really cool idea. Beyond that, I haven't really thought about it, you know? Like, I haven't thought about where this would see play, like, main deck, or if it's main deckable. Um, I definitely think the see standard play, I definitely think it's a control sideboard control mirror card. Yeah, I said no. Yeah. Because, yeah, so that's the thing you think about. You're like, okay, one, one in a blue for a 2-1 flyer is awesome, at least in limited. And even standard, it's not horrible. But we've, we've had that card in the past. I think we have it right now. Gosh, I can't remember what it is. It's like a 2-1 flyer for one in a blue, and it's an elemental. Oh, yeah, Vaporkin. Yeah, and that's not getting any comp play. So. Well, that's just that's just a 2-1 flyer. I mean, I'm talking – I mean, I'm more interested in the other ability, you know? Yeah, so I'm just saying that the floor is actually not good enough for standard. Like a 2-1 okay. flyer for one in a blue, not good enough. Now, you know, unmorph, get a 3-2, and counter an instant or sorcery spell sounds – pretty good like you're having a pretty good time if you do that um and i you know just while reading this i was thinking about the stupid blue green manifest uh unmorphed deck that i had going week one to standard and this would this would actually slot right in to that extremely uncompetitive deck that i took to a pptq for some reason mm-hmm. i'm gonna say no because the worst case scenario the floor is not good enough for standard the best case scenario the morph and then unmorph cost five but it's entirely uncounterable. It is, but like, I don't it's know. It's an uncounterable counterspell and a 3-2 body. Yeah, shout out to my homeboy Jeering Instigator. Like, that's not getting played. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I think I like it. I like it in the specific situation that I mentioned, but not sure beyond that. I still say yes. 
Well, that's good. I say no officially. Okay. Eric, what you think? Yeah, I'm kind of out on this card. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. I, I have to say, actually, I was, I was uh, toying with uh, a, a white-blue standard deck uh, that I was, that I thought might have some potential that did play Vaporgin. So it's, this is kind of fun to imagine this being in there instead. But you know, frankly, I, I really just don't think that it has enough potential. I actually think that this creature is best as a two-one flyer for two. And that the it's almost like the the megamorph ability is more like a small upside, and kind of the reason for that is that I'm imagining what it would feel like to like invest three mana in standard into this two two, and then have to spend another one and a and a blue like negate cost for something that's so much less powerful than negate. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not just any non creature spell; it's only an instant or sorcery, and like. I don't know, like, I just, it doesn't feel all that versatile to me. Like, if I've already invested three in a 2-2, which is, like, bad math for standard, uh, I want to pay one. I want to pay one to counter instant or sorcery, you know? Like, I want to have dispel mana up. I don't want to hold up counterspell mana or negate mana, you know? Uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a fine card. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's bad as a 2-1 flyer for two, but I, I don't think I'll be playing it anytime. Yeah, well, I don't think I'll be playing it either because I won't be playing Blue Control. So, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I think it's neat. Um, so uh, next, uh, we've got uh, Sidisi, Undead Vizier. How do you say that? Vizier? V- visor? Vizier? Vizier. Vizier. Sure. Vizier than you are. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't uh, continue this podcast. I'm too busy. <laughs> Um, wait, so, is Sidisi, I didn't know Sidisi was Muslim, because I, I just googled Vizier, and it is a, a high official in some Muslim countries, especially in Turkey under Ottoman rule. Vizier. Vizier. I just, I, I also googled that. <laughs> yeah, I heard that's it. How I heard... You, uh, that's how you pronounce it, Vizier. Vizier, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was cool. I don't think we've had like a Muslim character in uh, in Magic. No, Although I think they avoid all religions in in that. They try to at least specifically. Yeah, I don't think that the card is supposed to be Muslim, but Google is never is, is never wrong. I'm sorry. Google is literally never wrong. So yeah. you're onto something here. Vizier. Uh, so uh, Vizier. Uh, so Sidisi. <laughs> this uh, Sidisi undead. Vizier is uh, a 4-6 death touch legendary creature zombie naga. It's a rare. It's a 3 black black. uh, So like I said, a death touch. And it has exploit. When this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. When Sidisi, undead vizier, exploits a creature, you may search your library. (laughs) This sounds so funny. Uh, You may search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Um, so really, really costly, um, demonic tutor, demonic, yeah, this is like a diabolic tutor kind of thing. You have to sacrifice a creature. Um, so you have to have another creature on the battlefield. Um, so already this is out for like control, um, as a good tutor. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Obviously, sacrifice. If you get the ability off, searching your library for a card is a really good thing. Um, the specific th- 
thing that I mentioned it for would be like for like green black devotion as a way to turn excess mana dorks into threats uh, because it doesn't have like an overrun effect. So maybe just, you know, uh, for example, Genesis Hydra into this, hmm. exploit a mana dork and search up another Genesis Hydra. Um, that's the best case scenario I can think of for this card. I'm going to say no, it does not see standard play. Okay, so I also Googled, because this is a, it's also a legendary creature zombie, Naga. Now, I Googled Naga, and the Naga are a group of serpent deities in Hindu and Buddhist mythology. So now I don't even know what to think. <laughs> I, I don't think this is going to see, well, I this is going to see play as... A one, so I was comparing this card to Liliana Vess, which is in mm -hmm. standard right now. Three black, right. black, and it basically gets to Vampiric Tutor, right? And then you, it's let you know you leave a Planeswalker left over. So I could see this in like either a Sultai control deck where you're sacrificing a Seder Wayfinder or whatever, and now you've got this gigantic dude that blocks and kills and trades with just anything. 4-6 Death Touch. I don't think there's really any creatures that are commonly played in Standard that, like, trade profitably with it. Or it has Death Touch. It's almost impossible. It needs Siege Rhinos. Yeah, oh, destroys Siege Rhinos. Um, and you get you get to, you know, search up a Siege Rhino, which, unfortunately, is probably a card you'd rather be casting than this guy. Um, yeah. And it costs four. I'm going to say yes, just to be, like, different than you, Joe. <laughs> Fine. As a one-of. <laughs> Fine. All right. All right. Eric, what do you think? I don't know. I'm trying to trying to make it happen, trying to get excited about it, but I just don't think I can be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, its its tutor cost is uh, is pretty prohibitive. I mean, you're definitely yeah. paying for it. You know, you're you're putting a lot into that tutor effect, and uh, you know, it's it doesn't really compare all that favorably even to uh, the diabolic uh, tutor. So I don't know. I'm. I guess there's not too many other five drops in black in standard right now that I'm, I guess I'm super excited about unless I'm in multicolors, you know? Um, mm. And, you know, then I'm probably playing like Zergo Helm Smasher or some Wingmate Rocks and I don't know. I just think that there's, there's a few other things I would rather play than that. But uh, I also think that there, the, the thing not to lose sight of with this creature is that a five or a four six death touch for five is good. Like that is, I, I think that's probably better than I feel like it is. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm not going to rule it out, but uh, I don't think I'm going to be uh, really trying to make it work in in any particular deck. So we all said no. Nay. Steven I, said yes. I said Steven yes. said yes. I said yes just to be different. Profound Journey. I don't even want to talk about this card. No, Skip. That. Boo. Skip. Boo. Profound Journey. Terrible. Here's the thing that's just kind of a general question about this entire set. Um, it seems like this stuff is all really expensive. Like, really prohibitively expensive, right? Like, lots of these cards are like six mana, five mana, seven mana. There are so many really good aggro decks right now, right? Like, with aggro being so good, I mean, I guess they've kind of enabled blue-white control with this set. But aggro is so good right now, do any of these cards see standard play? You know, I mean, I, I'm just just a general question. I mean, what do you think? Well, the, so like, far, the, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So far, no. I mean, there's there's actually some coming up that I'm pretty excited about. I, I think there's there's some, some really strong picks coming up. 
but yeah, I mean, so far from what we've hit, I don't know. I don't want to be a downer, but I'm not just super juiced on any of them. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, red white, red white is such a fast deck and such a good deck. And, like, Blue-White Heroic is super fast and super good. You just got all these decks right now that are have such low curves that I'm like, okay, people are going to try these decks out and try these six drops, and they're going to feel so bad about it when they never hit six mana, even when they're playing Mono Green Devotion or something. You know, I, I don't think... I think that Mono Green Devotion will hit six mana, but I don't think many of these other decks are going to get there. But anyway, um, moving on uh, to a card... That oh no no this isn't the card that I that I like but Dragon Tempest um, Stephen do you want to read this card since it's red of course it's uh, one in a red for an enchantment and whenever a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control it gains haste until end of turn and whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control it deals X damage to target creature or player where X is the number of dragons you control Dragon Tempest. Uh, as I was trying to say before, my cat completely freaked out and still kind of freaking out. Uh, the 4-4 dragon that's 2 and 2 red, the Thunderbreak Regent, uh, that card makes me tempted to love this for standard as just kind of my gut reaction to the card. Um, maybe with the other two phoenixes that we're seeing standard play, but, you know, more I thought about it, most of the red flyers that are worth playing with this card that aren't dragons already have haste. So really too soon to tell on this card. I think this card needs dragons to be good. Um, I don't think we're going to get enough dragons for standard that are playable uh, to actually make this worth including. Uh, so I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm going to say yes, just out of hope. I hope that they print another, enough like low cost dragon enablers to make like a dragon deck where this somehow works mm -hmm. uh my preference would be something like like something with like a downside like slumbering dragon that was back in like m11 m12 i can't even remember you want that card so i bad. want that back in standard <laughs> it was a, it was a one drop dragon yeah most of the flyers that are worth anything like storm breath or the the phoenixes have haste already because uh, i kept forgetting that it has to have flying to have haste Unless, yeah, there's just not going to be. I, I don't think there's going to be like some castable car that puts like dragon tokens onto the battlefield either. So I'm going to say no. But like, if if wizards wanted to create cards to break this, they could. And if they were going to, it would be in the set <laughs> in Dragon right. Stark here, the, right. the the dragoniest set of 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 all sets, as they've said. So yes, I'm gonna say a hopeful yes. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I, I I like that. Um, I I'm a little biased on this card because haste is actually my favorite mechanic in Magic. Uh, and you know I'm sure it changes changes month to month or whatever. But I just love haste. I mean, you, you know, it's one of the great ways to sort of get around control. You know, the moment they sort of expend their resources on the stuff that you've already done, and you're just like, bam! You just get something, and you get in there, and you're like, yeah, okay. Even if you kill it on the next turn with some sort of wrath of God, you still just took four there. Um, so I don't know. I want this card to be good too. I, I think you make a really good point that a lot of the flyers already have haste with the you know phoenixes and whatnot, but. Um, yeah, I mean, even just staring at this Thunderbreak region, which we're about to get to next, like, uh, I don't know. I want to believe that this card is good. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the the ability 
the haste ability is what I would play it for, I guess. And then you would probably want to build to it in a constructed standard environment, I guess. Um, because, I mean, frankly, if you can kill something every time you play a creature, that is significant, you know? And even if you're popping something small, doing one damage at first, and then maybe, like, you know, once you get another dragon or two on the field, I mean, doing three damage to something, a creature or player, by just casting a creature, I mean, that's that's huge. I, it I, is. Yeah, I feel like the, the the this card has a ton of potential, but it does sort of just see seem like it remains to be seen how far we can actually take it. So, uh, Dragonlord Slumgar is next, and uh, we like we said, Slumgar is wearing Tassiger in the art. Now, that alone makes me think that yes, this is going to see standard play. Uh, but I actually think this will see standard play. Uh, let me read the card real quick for you. Uh, Dragonlord Salumgar is a 3-5 flying death touch for 4 blue black. Another 6 drop. Uh, it's legendary creature, Elder Dragon. It's mythic rare. When Dragonlord Slumgar enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature or planeswalker for as long as you control Dragonlord Slumgar. Um, I think this is awesome. Um, Mind Control saw standard play a couple years ago, and that cost 5, and that was just game control of target creature um i don't it's all fringe standard play but still it's all some standard play this is six mana gain control of a creature or slave of bolas was another one right and that cost almost the exact same or no it was gain control of a creature till end of turn sacrifice at end of turn i think this is really really good um you can you know steal an ugin steal an elspeth <laughs> that seems good uh, you know, I, I, I'm calling this card Seize Rhino. Listen, if I had a rim shot, like sample, oh. I would play it right now. I think this card's going to definitely semi off topic. I had like a sound system and a soundboard built into like I don't know three apartments ago, because mm -hmm. I had a friend and he would tell just the worst jokes, and I had it set up where like I could reach around uh behind whatever chair I was sitting and like it was like there's this little button I could click. And over the speakers, like crickets would chirp. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Why don't you still have that set up? <laughs> I've, I've moved too many times, um, and I wanted to get like a like a like a little like um, God tumbleweed, <laughs> like just like yeah. roll it out after he told like every joke. And uh, if I could do that audibly to you during this podcast, two times a podcast, I would say it would happen. Two times is very, very, very kind of you, Stephen. Uh, what do you think of this card, though? As more so than my jokes. What do you think? Of this <laughs> yeah, so uh, I actually think Silumgar the the younger Silumgar Junior, since these are elder dragons, apparently uh, they just they didn't want to be subtle about this that a lot of these dragons were going to be for EDH play. Um, for six mana, for a 3-5 flying death touch that does not have hexproof, I, I actually don't like this guy. I, I, I think the effect is too expensive. I think versus aggressive decks, they can just end the game before you cast this. And even if they don't end the game, they can just, you know, untap, cast a chain to the rocks, get rid of this guy. Because get their thing back. Yeah, you're probably tapping out for this. Um, yeah, I think a chain to the rocks is harder to deal with than this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just there's a lot of things that still kill this. Um, yeah, I just don't see it seeing play. I mean, I know people disagree with me because 
it's one of the higher priced pre-orders so far. Yeah, it's pre-ordered. It really? Yeah, it's like eight dollars right now. Yeah, I'm uh, surprised. Also, me wow. too. People think this is going to see play. I would actually rather have Silumgar, the the Drifting Death, over this guy. So yeah, I'm with that. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying no. Actually, I don't think this is going to see any play. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with that as well. I, I think you're right. I think you made a really good point that uh, you know for a six mana investment in a three five, it's at least got to have hex proof. I mean, if a control deck is playing this card, they need to know that it's protected and they're going to be able to close the game out with it. I mean, I'm trying to mentally compare it to Sower of Temptation, which is like the four drop two two from Lorwyn Block or whatever. Uh, you know, it's got a control magic on a stick sort of thing, and like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, maybe it's unreasonable to go back to the days when control magic effect costs four, but uh, I don't know. I just, at six mana, it's hard to get super excited about it, and uh, I don't know. It's hard to kill as a three five creature. I think it's all right, but uh, not super juiced about this one. Cool. Uh, now, Thunderbreak region. Uh, Steven, you said no about this one? <laughs> I know. What this is like? This is like Get right out. in your wheelhouse. This Get out of here. Good. This card is good. <laughs> what? I know okay, people so, like this card too. So, like, all, all, my only note on it in the show notes was uh, because I just think it's so good. It was like, wow, I just saw on TV that Church's Chicken also has fish. I stopped eating most meat at the start of the year, uh, but I still eat fish. And uh, but Church's is so good. So now I'm like, I was just, ch- I was saying to Stephen in the show notes, let's go to the Church's after. After the GPT Sunday, so I can have some churches fish. <laughs> so that was my note on this card. Um, yes, I think the C standard play. I guess we should read the card. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, you haven't read any cards. You want to read this? Yeah, one? you got it. So we got a uh, uh, a two and two red four four uh, red creature. It's a dragon uh, with flying. And when it says, whenever a dragon you control becomes the target of a spell or ability that an opponent controls, Thunderbreak Region deals three damage to that player. So, I mean, you know, the first thing that I see when I look at this card is a red evasive creature with incredible stats. I mean, a 4-4 four, four flyer for four, it's it's just so good in red. It's, it's awesome. And then, you know, that ability is not a disability. It's an ability. It makes it even better. It's like sort of like a soft hexproof sort of thing. It's like, look, you're going to have to deal with this card some way. Uh, you're probably not going to do it by blocking. You're going to have to spend a removal spell on it. And even when you do, it's going to do three to you. Uh, so, I mean, that just it just seems strong, like, in every way, you know, uh, especially comparing it to some of the stuff we've seen so far. It just seems like a really, really solid creature. And then you <laughs> what, – what does Twin Flame do again? Hold on, hold on. I got to know this. Hold on. I'm sorry. Twin Flame. Um... Who mentioned Twin Flame? Me. I mentioned Twin Flame, dude. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay, so uh... – Twin Flame is one in a red, Strive, <laughs> two in a red. Uh, and you can put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of those creatures. So you can just copy this twice. And then if they try to target it, it deals nine damage to them. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fun. Yeah, that's dirty. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I love but the ability stacks the more you have. It's like you get two. Yeah, that's the thing I'm getting at. Yeah, like yeah. It, Twin Flame was just a goofy idea. But. 
the truth is you have two of these out. They want to kill one with the hero's downfall. It's going to cost them six life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. I like picturing it with sort of like a taxi sort of deck too where you have like Eidolon of the Great Revel early on mm. and then you're kind of playing Thunderbreak Regions later or something. It's just like so punishing if they try to do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool card. I mean, it's a really great – I think it's a really great card. Um, yeah, I mean, most most removal right now is targeted. So I think that they were pretty much going to have to take three to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I think it's really good. Yeah. I say Steven, no. I, why? I say no. Why? Well, um, it's just – and 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 most people disagree because this is like like – most rares don't pre-order for $4, which is what this is pre-ordering for right now. So people see something here. I, I just do not. This reminds me of another, like, like the Flame Reef Phoenix where, you know, it's like, oh, it's interesting, but it's like a four drop. But it, it really wants to go in a super aggressive deck. But it doesn't, like, it doesn't have haste automatically. So it doesn't provide the value that you need in a haste deck. Um, I think the, 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 the ability is nice, but, you know... For the deck that you're trying to punish with a 4-4 flyer in red, uh, they're just going to cast a sweeper. Although, Crux of Fate, you'll put them in a little bit of a pickle because it's a dragon. Yeah, the sweeper of choice (laughs) does not hit this. So, you know, in hostilities, obviously, that hoses it. Um, Which might be the new sweeper of choice if blue-white... Well, when blue-white control becomes a tier 1 deck. Yeah, so I just don't see it because, I mean... Yes, in limited, you know, four mana for a 4-4 four, four flyer with upside is just insane value. Um, but, I mean, if you look at, like, what we're actually getting for four mana in this in this format, I mean, I mean, have you looked at Siege Rhino? Yeah, this flies over it. <laughs> Siege Rhino tramples over stuff. It's a 4-5, and it gets value immediately. Uh, True. Even, even if you don't... Uh, if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't get dealt with immediately. Um, and the fact that, you know, I think the ability stacks, I mean, that's nice. But, you know, when you have multiple dragons in play unopposed and they need to go and answer it with point removal, you've, you've already won in a red deck. So uh, my verdict, my verdict is, is no. no, no standard play. <laughs> that was that was the world being angry with that decision. See, my cat's mad. <laughs> The world's mad. Everyone's mad at you for this. <laughs> that was me playing a Law and Order soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to like have like some authority to my my rulings. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd just sneak that in there. <laughs> good, good, good lord. Radiant Purge. Uh, Radiant Purge is one in a white. It's an instant. Uh, exile target multicolor creature or multicolor enchantment. Uh, sure. I think this sees standard play. I'm just not sure it's better than Valorous Stance. Sideboard. Sideboard, obviously. I'm not, I don't think it's going to see main deck play. But what do you think, Steven? I agree. I, I, my, my answer is yes, because people will try it. But then people will realize you're not going to get someone, like, you're not going to exile a detention sphere with this. It's not standard anymore. So uh, right, I'm going right. to say yes, sideboard, but then eventually no. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. I, I think it's a sideboard card. I think it'll see play. You know, I'm comparing it in my heads to Renounce the Guilds, uh, which was uh, 
you know, I, I think the uh, the Dragon's Maze version of something similar. It's each player sacrifices a multiplayer, uh, multicolored mm-hmm. permanent. This one gives you a little bit more control. It's pinpoint removal. Uh, I like it in the sideboard. I think you'll probably, you know, want to have a couple of them in there and, and bring them in. A lot of the really strong stuff we, we have seen is, of course, gold. It's a gold block. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Certainly not main. Right. My, my question is, like, what would this card deal with that Valorous Stance wouldn't? Zergo Helm Smasher. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. exiles instead of destroying. Yeah, that's that's one. Yeah, that's one crazy thing. I, that's I actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It does eggs. That's right. Uh, I always, for some reason, think that Valorous Stance exiles. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. That's one awesome thing about Zergo. I actually play him in standard. I play like this Mardu control type of thing. And uh, oh no. Uh, yeah, there were, for a while there really it was just Bile Blight was on, the only great way to deal with with Zergo. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe people bring this in, uh, against it. Yeah, I suppose they would. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it, I think it's a good card. I think, uh, I think it'll, I think it'll see a little play and, and then, uh, you know, we'll see it in people's sideboards for sure. So now there's a cycle of, uh, gold dragons. I'm, I'm not super pumped about, but there is one that I think is really good. Uh, Boltwing Marauder. Uh, I think it's the only dragon out of the cycle of gold rare dragons that i care about boltwing marauder is uh three black and red it's a five four flying dagron it's a rare whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control target creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn now this is one i could see playing very nicely with the uh the enchantment because it would give it haste and it would deal five damage to something off the top. Um, now that would be really good. Uh, this card in like a Mardu deck, followed up by a Hordling outburst, and then you're swinging for eleven. You know, um, that seems pretty good. Uh, I mean, this is low cost, uh, good stats to back it up, and the ability seems really powerful in the kind of deck that this would fit in. Uh, all the other ones, I think, are way too expensive. Uh, the only one that I kind of like is the Harbinger of the Hunt, uh, but it's a 5-3 flyer for a, black, or for a green, a red, and three. And then it has uh, two and a red. It deals one damage to each creature without flying. Two and a green. It deals one damage to each other creature with flying. Now, those abilities are really cool, but I think that this card is one toughness away from being standard playable. I think if it was a five, four, if it was out of lightning strike range, then I think it would be good. The fact that it's in lightning strike range or in bile blight range doesn't make me like it at all. Uh, what do y'all think about this cycle? Have you thought about this cycle? I, I briefly thought about it and then stopped. Boltwing uh, <laughs> okay. Marauder is just, I think, a much worse version of Kolagon, the younger dragon from mm-hmm. Fate Reforged. And that's not right, seeing right. any play right now. Because when I was looking at the uh, Bolt Ring Marauder, I was thinking, oh, yeah, you cast, like, a, I don't know, a Hordling Outburst or whatever. And then you give something plus six, plus zero or whatever. Um, but that's probably not the order you want to cast your spells in. You, you probably don't have a lot of creature cards left after you cast your five drop in an aggressive deck. So mm-hmm. I'm just not seeing it. And you can cast Hordling Outburst into the, you know, Kolagon. 
and then swing and then, you know, pump your team or whatever. And that actually seems really good, but no one's doing it right now, so... Right. I, well, you know, I mean, I mean, someone's got to be first. Mm-hmm. All things got to be faced. Someone has to brave the worst. Someone's got to take a taste. That is, is that you know, text. <laughs> I, no, that was that was a quote from like I think the was it the Frosty the Snowman cartoon, like the the claymation Christmas cartoon. Wow. Or maybe. It, 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 okay. Anyway. Listen, you reach deep. I did. I dug super deep on that one. <laughs> I dug deeper than any of you were willing to go, apparently. Fine. Oh, thank you. Sorry. It took me a second to pull up the cricket soundboard. <laughs> Somebody will get it anyway. Um, no. You were... I say no. Well, no, no I mean, it is going out on the internet, right? Somebody's going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no to all dragons, no to all of them. All of the rare, uh, I think they're all five or six drops. Yeah. Um, just all of the, yeah, all, all, all of that cycle, no. Yeah, they're now, all now intro here's... pack rares. The, the intro pack rare cycle, no. Are they literally the intro pack rare cycle? Yes. Well, those are really cool intro pack rares. Really? I think they're bad. No, man, like, that's really cool. Like, some of the ones that they've put in the front, like, you know, Frank, the tech guy. Like, I mean, like, they're just, like, terrible cards. These are at least, like, splashy, cool cards to put at the front of your uh, of your intro packs. Um, I-, I didn't know that, honestly. I- I- that doesn't change my opinion of the cards. I think this is the thing, man. Like, they're, pu- they're printing so many expensive dragons. Like, they've got to be standard playable, right? Like, they've just got to be. There's got to be a dragon deck for standard, or this set failed. <laughs> like, this whole thing is a failure. If there doesn't, if there isn't a dragon deck after this set is released, then this whole block just failed. There sure are a lot of them. There's just dragons everywhere. There's <laughs> like, oh my god, like a dearth of mediocre five and six drops. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, like they have to be play. Like, this is there has to be a deck. Like, okay, I get it. Like, five drops, six drops, seven drop dragons. Way too expensive to see standard play. Now they've printed several ways to make that better. Like I said on one of the notes to one of these cards, get your generator servants, I guess. You know, I mean, like, mm. get them now. Like, get them, <laughs> sleeve them up in whatever sleeves you'd use, and, and, and build, start making some decks with generator servant and some of these cards. And, and obviously, you know, you've got other ramp, like anything that has green in it, you've got the red-green and the, and the green-white dragons now now they've obviously you know that fits into your elvish mystics etc etc but they like they just got they've just got to be playable right yeah so i i'm i I feel the same way about about as you guys for uh you know the sovereign necromancer dragon and the boltwing marauder I, i completely agree i think the only one here that bears mention is the pristine skywise i actually think that card uh has a lot of potential um, you know, as a 6-4, 6-drop uh, flyer uh, in, in blue-white, that's actually pretty good. Like, the stats are not bad. It could definitely just win a game. And I like it that it has this sort of, like, pseudo-soft hexproof. I mean, protection, 
I just I might as well read this because you know not everyone might know this card. Pristine Skywise right. is a uh, a six drop dragon. It for four blue white, uh, and it's a you know it has flying. And whenever you cast a non creature spell, untap it. It gains protection from the color of your choice till the end of turn. Now that that to me is actually a pretty powerful mechanic. I really feel like this card is going to be very hard to deal with once it hits 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 the table because protection is just so versatile. It does so much, you know? You can attack with this thing with full confidence. If you have a non-creature spell in your hand, which you probably do since you're in Jeskai colors, you can go in and just swing over the top for six each turn if you want. You know, protection, uh, you know, is kind of like Hexproof in that if they try to kill it with spot removal, you can just... Cast your non-creature spell, untap it, and prevent you know counter the spell. Essentially, it also mm-hmm. like works as kind of an incredible blocker in that way, where you know you can still attack with him, and even if he's tapped, if they think about attacking, they have to consider the option of you just casting something, and not only just untapping him, but untapping him with protection from whatever you're blocking. Like that is got to be kind of scary. It seems like pretty scary stuff there. Uh, and then, like the, on the on the flip side too, like if you need it to just get through and do that last six points of damage or whatever, you could just run out whatever non-creature spell you happen to have remaining in your hand to you give just it. Drop your briber's purse for zero. <laughs> yeah, just give it. Yeah, I mean, you know, give it protection from whatever their blocker is. You know, whatever their flying blocker happens to be. Just it is Hornet Queen, though. FYI. It beats Hornet Queen. Is that That's what I'm saying. But the, the blocker is Hornet Queen. Oh, I'm yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So you give it. Or another and... big dragon in our new standard format of all dragon standard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Pristine Skywise. I'm in on this card. I'm going to cast it a few times. Definitely in limited. Maybe, maybe in some sort of standard if we see blue white control as a thing. But, uh, my. My only beef with it is that you have to cast a non-creature spell to use the ability, and this costs six. So you have to pay six and then have the mana up to cast a spell that's instant speed, which eliminates a lot of options. You know, so I think that there's just a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get that first. Like, if it survives a turn, yeah, I agree. You're in the clear, and it's a really great card. But I'm afraid that you're just not going to have the mana to cast this and have the mana to protect it for a turn so you can untap and then have, you know, access to all your mana again. Yeah, I hear that. I think uh, I'm comparing it in my head to Pearl Lake Ancient. That's that's kind of yeah. how I see it. And that's what, like an 8-drop, 9-drop, something like that? Like Yeah. That's that's kind of the type of deck I think wants it, where the it, the only thing that it has is is two pristine Skywises in the deck, and the rest is just blue-white removal. Ojutai's Command is the next card I want to talk about. Uh, Ojutai's Command is freaking awesome. Um, It is uh, two, a blue, and a white. It's an instant. It's rare. Choose two. Return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain four life, counter target creature spell, or draw a card. So you get to choose two of those abilities. Um, I think this card's great. I think it is not Cryptic Command. It's not. It's definitely not, but it's good. Um, I think that Counter a Creature Spell and Draw a Card are going to pretty much be the two modes that are chosen most often together. Um, I think the first mode will be chosen about 5% of the time this card is ever 
cast ever, Stephen. Yeah, so I've actually kind of been wondering why, for standard, for the last couple sets, they have not printed a good two drop. And I think this is the answer. <laughs> because in standard, I think that's going to be the mode. Like, yeah. I, really? Yeah, I think return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less to the battlefield and cycle it. Or, you know, do whatever, gain a life or draw, you know, target their creature spell. Um, I mean, I guess this... You really think so? Yeah, I think so. For four mana? I mean, think think about... Yeah, listen, you, listen, I'm the guy who got so excited for Tethmost High Priest mm-hmm. that it's embarrassing. Okay? Like, I got so excited for that card. And that card literally saw no play. You know, you've got Alicia, which is an amazing amazing card alicia is an amazing card and she sees no play this asks less of you because you need alicia to be in play get to combat you know because she doesn't have you know haste not get removed um and so it's all sorcery speed and it's dependent on them not having removal this like it's instant speed you can do it at the end of their turn and you can you know worst case scenario you can just bail on that plan and then draw a card, gain four life, or play, you know, play at instant speed. And, I mean, I guess you could, like, you could even play this in modern. I mean, there's so many good two drops, right? Yeah. So return your Tarmogoyf, return... Yeah, but what colors are you playing? You're playing Bant in modern? Why not? This this is the card that... No, I don't know. This card's going to single-handedly <laughs> enable Bant in modern. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. return, return your voice of resurgence and counter their, t- their, their creature spell. You're like all in on modern Bant now. This is this is your new deck. <laughs> um, this is your new deck. You know, you could return a young pyromancer in red, white, blue control to branch out. You could uh, if uh, what would that be? In Jess? No, I don't even know. No, in uh, Esper, you could return a uh, dark confidant. Yeah, although I don't know if you want to. And then reveal another one of these and lose four life. Well, you, you better just, gain yeah, four. You, you better. You better. That's like you better return it to your hand and return it to the battlefield and gain four life then. But uh, uh, yeah. no doubt this will see standard play. I think it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. I just think it's going to be more as like a counter a spell, draw a card kind of thing. But. Um, but I can see what you're saying. I just don't think, considering all the other abilities that let you return stuff from the grave to the battlefield that aren't seeing play, I don't think this sees play for that reason. I just think it's going to be a really good card for blue-white control. This this card has me the most excited of any card in the set, just because I want to see what all the other commands are, now that we know we're getting a cycle. <laughs> oh, we're getting a cycle? Yeah. I, I would oh. assume, right? They wouldn't do this. <laughs> You're right. I guess you're right. Whoa, okay. Whoa, hold up now. Pump the brakes. I just didn't realize this would be a cycle. That that that's got me excited too. Yeah, you're right. Let's yeah, see what the other gonna, ones yeah, are. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a command for each dragon. I like it. Okay, so yeah, like exactly. It. So now Eric, what do you think of this card? I think that Watsy missed a golden opportunity to name this card Kung Fu Panda Command. <laughs> 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 Look at these guys. What is it with the Jeskai clan? How come they're always posing for the camera? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I don't know. <laughs> Selfies. Yeah, not too. Uh, you know, not. <laughs> He's got a selfie pole. That's what it oh is. Oh my god. <laughs> He's got a selfie pole, but then there's another guy taking the picture. This is a very strange picture because he's taking a picture of them with the selfie pole, and they're all mugging for that camera. And then you got some other guy down here taking a picture of them taking their selfie. <laughs> that is selfie totally a selfie pole. I, I like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but like art art direction aside, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think typically when we see like modal effects and modal cards, like cards that can do multiple different things depending on what you need, they typically are p- more powerful than than they look. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about this card. You know, it, it seems like a super charm. You know. Uh, like if you think of it, all the charms that were printed in the last set and in cons, I guess they were all awesome. And and part of the part of that comes from the flexibility that they offer. So I think that even though each of these individual modes feels a little bit underwhelming, I think it will probably end up being uh, better than they look. Shamans of Forgotten Ways. Happy Alvis Day. This is a C-Lab. Yours all over the map tonight. Uh, Happy Alvis Day. Shamans of Forgotten Ways. Look at this creeper. Look at this guy. Yeah. yeah. Is, <laughs> what is it, going on? He looks like he's offering some candy to, like, a passerby. Uh, oh, hey, hey. Uh, hey <laughs> you ever seen a Finhorn elf? <laughs> I got this... I have this necklace. Would you like it? It is. <laughs> it has claws. <laughs> Look at his hat. His hat's amazing. I want that hat. That would be amazing. Wow, that hat is amazing. <laughs> uh, Shaman of Forgotten Ways, uh, I think, gets a A plus for headwear, and I would say maybe a B plus for playability. Uh, I'll read this card. It's a. Uh, Two and a green. It's a mythic rare. It's a two-three. It's a human shaman. You can tap it to add two mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast creature spells. And then it has Formidable. Formidable is a two green and nine and tap. Uh, each player who actually activates this ability is spending their mana in a weird way no it actually says each player's life total becomes the number of creatures he or she controls that was called biorhythm right mm-hmm. is that the original that card? Yeah, exactly right yes activate this ability only if creatures you control have total power eight or greater um so I just love this card I love 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 this card I love this card just because the like like the first deck I ever built um, in Magic went turn one Llanowar Elves, turn two Findhorn Elder, turn three Force of Nature every game. That's what I did in Magic. Like that's what Magic was to me was turn one Llanowar Elf, turn two Findhorn Elder, turn three Force of Nature. This is Findhorn Elder, right? But not just Finhorn Elder, because this also allows you to add, you know, other colors. So you could tap this for double red, you know, to play a um, Stormbreath Dragon. So you could use this for double red for Stormbreath Dragon. You could just cast this off of turn one Elvish Mystic, turn two this, and you've played two basic forests. And then you can do turn three um, Stormbreath Dragon. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, but I don't think this gets played in a... In a in, well, yeah, sure, it can get played in other decks, but I want to just play this in mono green, and I just want to ramp to hell, and I want to activate the formidable ability. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Um, just, I mean, I don't really, but the fact that the formidable, formidable ability is there is really cool, because if you're playing mono green devotion, eventually you've got mana that you don't know what to do with. And if you have 11 mana, and you tap this and it wins you the game, sweet, you know? Um, 
I think this card's great. I want four of them right now, and I want them in my standard deck. Uh, Steven, what do you think? I say nay. Why? Are you a horse? Exactly. No, I. It just it's a two three for three, which isn't like embarrassing, but I've been playing kind of like a mono green devotion deck in standard lately. Um, really? Well, sorta. It's like Sam Black posted this like Naya mono green devotion deck. Anyway, long story. Okay. But I just don't see a need for a three drop mana accelerant. Like that's just too much. I would much rather be playing Corsair Crucifix. Um, the this is like what is it Somberwald Sage? Yeah. Like a like a better version of that. Yeah. But only it it adds two mana, but you know it has a better body, um, and then it has this random you know should you ever get to eleven mana, and also by the way you know this mana dwarf cannot tap for that that mana. Um, <laughs> I say no. This will not see standard play. Yeah, I think it's an apt comparison to Somberwald Sage. That's definitely what I was thinking in my head. Uh, Somberwald Sage is good. It's a really good card. It's an O one, but it also makes three mana in any. I think three. Well, I know it makes three, but I'm not sure if it's any combination. I think it, I think it might be, but I think it's just any one. Yeah, any one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's that's huge. Like three mana, a creature that makes three mana. That's it's actually pretty rare. There's not very much precedent for that. Uh, two is cool. I, I like that. Like with the you know the Elvish Mystic on turn one, this can enable a six drop on turn three. Um, yeah, I think it's okay. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna rule it out. I think that this, if there's a set for it, it's probably this one. This is broken. Or the only reason I, I would get excited about this is if I played more EDH because Biorhythm is banned. Yeah. Hmm. So this is a nice way to to get around that. Also, right. nice. It's an, this might get banned though. Yeah, it could be. And it's also <laughs> it's a good way to sneak Biorhythm into tiny leaders because it's a three drop. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Wow. Nice. <laughs> wow, tiny leaders. <laughs> if that's your thing. Yeah. Anyway. We've got another uh, card. Yes, 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 yes. Dragon Lord Colagon. So uh, I just want to play this plus Obnixless Unshackled for the ultimate deal 10 damage every time your opponent does stuff win. Except not. Uh, but this is what that card does. It's uh, four, a black, and a red. It's a 6-5. It's a legendary creature, Elder Dragon, Mythic Rare, Flying, Haste. Other creatures you control have haste. There's so much redundant haste mm -hmm. in this. It's like, your creatures have haste times three. I don't think that's very good. Uh, so whenever your opponent casts a creature or planeswalker spell with the same name as a card in his or her graveyard, that player loses ten life. Um, cool, I guess. This is a six drop. I just think we're like, I think it might be too soon to evaluate the set. It does feel like we're missing something because I I, I don't understand this. So you, <laughs> you 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 print these creatures. They're they're elder dragons. They're literally elder dragons. And there's a format. You know, some call it commander, some call it E D H. And the E D does not stand for, you know, whatever's in the Viagra commercials. It stands for Elder Dragon. And this card has an ability. It's a legendary creature, Elder Dragon. That's, you know, your commander has to be legendary. It has an ability that's completely irrelevant in commander. 
So this card is specifically not designed for Commander, but it costs six mana and gives your other creatures haste? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what else are you casting after your six drop that wants to fly in and attack? Because, yeah, whenever an opponent casts a creature or planeswalker spell with the same name as a card in their graveyard, that can't happen in a singleton format. Why does the Elder Dragon have this ability? <laughs> I don't even like Commander, and I'm upset for those players. Well, maybe they're just trying to distance the words Elder Dragon from Commander. Oh, what a troll. You know what? Never mind. Love it. <laughs> I, like what, I like where your head's at, Watsy. I really like it. Maybe they're like, they're like, this format is called Commander. It is not called Elder <laughs> Dragon Highlander. So we'll print Elder Dragons that are completely unplayable in Commander. I'm not saying that the other, actually, the other one's amazing in Commander, oh, but sure, that we've yeah. seen so far. But but this one is completely unplayable in Commander in terms of the second ability. <laughs> I'm also gonna say no for standard. <laughs> okay, did I say no? I don't remember. I don't have my notes up anymore. <laughs> did I say no? Did I say no? I said no. Okay, no. But yes, get your generator servants. No. <laughs> Eric. I actually like it. I, I think it's good. I, I mean, 6-5 Flying Haste is just like, bam! You just cast that thing, and you're just like, duh! Just take six. Just get you, you know? I, I think it's good. Um, I'm pretty down with it. I, I wish that it was uh, whenever an opponent casts like an instant or sorcery spell with the same name, then they lose 10 life. Because I think in red-black, I'm less worried about the creatures they're playing and more worried about uh, the removal they're playing. Uh, so, you know, if it was if it was turning off instants and sorceries, it's sort of like a way to protect itself a little, and I like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. ultimately, like, that ability, it's going to stop them from playing some, from deploying some threats at that stage of the game. And ultimately, just, like, just slamming that thing, getting in for six, like, that's going to feel good from time to time. I, I actually kind of like that. Just doing a quick, quick comparison over um, some of the other six-drop red-black cards in Standard, uh, I actually think it's, it's kind of the most promising one out there. Uh, not counting Tassiger, because he's not really even a six-drop. Okay, you actually almost swayed me to yes. I'm not there yet, but I was, <laughs> I've, I've been playing this like model red deck in Standard, and I, I recently, or last night, lost Nate Man to, uh, in the finals to someone that like played their third Nylea's Disciple. And so a lot of cards are kind of like that, where it's like, okay, I can play around one Wrath of God effect, but the second one, that, you know, if they have two, then I just lose. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I like that they printed a card for people that were like, that get in that headspace, hate it, and want a card that like fights against that. Yeah, that, totally. That's actually cool design. Yeah, I think it's legit. I mean, by that, by the stage of the game, by the time you're playing this guy, they are just not going to be able to cast that creature. I mean, especially if he's coming in and connecting for six, it's like by then they're going to be at ten life or less. So it's just going to turn off like those cards in their hand that they draw. And I don't know. I think that's significant. I, I kind of like this guy. The only thing I wish is that um, that the ability said. Whenever an opponent's spell resolves that has the same name, because that way you could manifest this. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> you could flip it over and in response to the spell being cast, <laughs> but you, you can't do that. And that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, that would be really nice. So I just want to say that if you have Dragon Tempest on the battlefield, and then you used a Generator Servant to cast your Dragon Lord Colagon, it would have 
three instances of haste. Oh, I just wanted haste. to <laughs> Yeah, for for mid-haste. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Mega hasteable. <laughs> Scale guard sentinels. Um, this is the uh, participation card for the uh, game day. Uh, Scale guard sentinels is green green. It's a human soldier. It's a two three. Um, as an additional cost to cast, you may reveal a dragon card from your hand. Uh, Scale Guard Sentinels enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it if you've revealed a dragon card or controlled a dragon as you cast Scale Guard Sentinels. And that's an interesting that I read that uh, out loud, is that even if you don't have the dragon when it comes out, if you cast it and you had a dragon, you'll get the plus one plus one counter. Um... Now, I mean, a 2-3 for, for green-green with potential upside is pretty good. A 3-4 for green-green is pretty darn good. Um, but it costs green-green, which makes me think that you're not going to play this outside of a mono-green deck. And that would mean that you probably would need playable green dragons. So I think we're not – we don't have enough information. I don't think it's going to be playable. I'm going to say no. But uh, that potentially is a powerful creature. Steven, what do you think? I say no. We already have a 3-2 for green green from Theros. Can't even remember what it's called because it doesn't get played. Um, we've had Watchmen. You played it. I know. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean it's going to be like played in good decks, though. Uh, Word. We've had you know Watch Wolves and whatever the green-white equivalent was from Return to Ravnica. That was a token. Can't even remember. Yep. Yeah. Uh, wasn't played. So 3-4 is better. 3-4 is beyond what you should expect for green-green, but you have to do so much work for it that it's just not its just not worth it, unless they print a million green dragons that are one mana cost. <laughs> Literally one million. I'm actually pretty down with this card. This is, I think, uh, one of the two cards that have gotten me a little bit excited about dragons, the other one being that haste one that we talked about. Uh, but I, I just think these stats are awesome. Uh, these are, it's, I think this is incredible in Limited, for sure, because in Limited, all these dragons that we're seeing are all amazing, and you're going to want to run as many as, of them as you can because they're just big things in the air. Uh, but in Standard, man, I don't mind playing 3-4 for 2. You know, that actually, that is huge, huge upside for me. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's significant at every stage of the game. If you if you do manage to stick this on turn two, they're like, they're under, like, a significant amount of pressure. Uh, seems pretty good. Um, yeah, in terms of the dragons that go with it, I guess the only thing that's really calling out to me is Dramoka, uh, who's the, what is it, 5-5 five, five for 5 flyer that gets, you know, bolsters every turn or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I like it. I, I, think I, I think I also want to see some, like, better green dragon support. Or, or better dragon support in general, I guess. But uh, I think that this seems to be pretty on theme and pretty playable. Yeah, and, and like and like I said, you know, it needs to be in a mono green deck. That's not necessarily true. I'm just really stubborn about branching out into multiple colors with my decks in terms of, like, I don't want to play a double green card in, like, a two-color deck or a three-color deck. Anyway, but I'm just weird like that. I, I see what you're... I totally agree with you in terms of, like, uh, Duncan, Duncan, Homoka and... Uh, and this being playable together. Yeah. Um, dragon fodder. Dragon fodder. <laughs> and why? Why? It's the opposite of dragon mutter. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you have the crickets still <laughs> yeah. up? Do you still have the crickets up? Why can't you use the crickets on your own jokes, Steven? I, I mean, I only play it for jokes that aren't funny. 
it was I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, did they seriously have to reprint this with Rabble Master in the format? Really? Like really? No, it's fine. That really though? Come on. No, this is ridiculous. No, okay, no. Here's what I'm okay. Either in this set or Magic Origins, the last core set, if if they're gonna print all these goblin cards, all these goblin token makers, all these goblin sub themes, and they don't print Goblin Chieftain, I'm gonna listen. I'm calling you out, Wizards. <laughs> print Goblin Chieftain and put it in standard. That's not that much to ask. That's all I want. I, I mean, wow. I mean, obviously. Uh... I mean, I guess this is sorcery speed versus raise the alarm. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing Rabble Master, you're obviously just swapping this if you're not playing them both. You can go mono red tokens. You're, we're getting close. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely pushing tokens hard. Uh, Mardu tokens, like all three of those colors have a ton of token support. This seems to fit right in. Yeah, not, in, you know, not super exciting. I, I, I love the, the synergy with Rabble Master. I think that's a good look. But uh, yeah, I don't know. More, it seems like more of the same in a lot of ways. Yeah. This will see play. I say yes. No. No yeah. question. Yeah, I'm down with that. Okay, so uh, Dragon Lord Servant. You want to read this one, Steven? Sure. It's uh, one and a red for Creature Goblin Shaman. It's, it's a 1-3. And Dragon Spells you cast cost one less to cast. I mean, that's... It's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dragon Speaker Shaman is like a commander staple. Is insanely overpriced for what the hell it is um i say if you can get foil copies of this on the cheap get them hold them put them in a box stick them aside forget about them for a couple years this is a commander staple um foil copies of this are going to be stupidly expensive um even regular copies of this might eventually be stupidly expensive like dragon speaker shaman is um that's also an uncommon Yes, but from exactly. a much, much, much older set. Yeah, and actually, I think Dragon Speaker Shaman has had at least one reprint. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Um, that. Yeah, it was reprinted in Arch Enemy, and uh, and in Dual Decks Knights versus Dragons, and it's still a five dollar card. Yeah, and they're totally sold out <laughs> on Star City right now, except for uh, two slightly played copies. At 485 and Spanish ones, 45 Spanish ones <laughs> from the dual deck for five dollars. <laughs> I, I in my head, I want that to be like one person that just walked into a uh, Star City Games event. They're traveling <laughs> from overseas, and they walked up to the dealer booth and they had a briefcase, and they put the briefcase on the table. And they opened the briefcase, and a golden glow bathed over the buyer, not unlike in uh, Marcellus yeah, Wallace's Pulp soul. Fiction. They they opened it, it soul. and <laughs> they looked at it, and they just nodded silently. He he, the the, the person closes the briefcase, and they hand them like twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> And now, now Star City has like forty <laughs> Spanish, whatever. Track, it's outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess if there's a dragon deck, you know, if there's a dragon deck that is non-green, or maybe I guess even if it is green, um, this card and um, Generator Servant are going to be the way to go if you're playing a non-green 
deck, like like maybe a red black dragons deck with four of these and four generator servants. That sounds like the start of 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 a uh, way to cheat these dragons out kind of fast. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, man. Like I want it to be a thing. I, I'm I'm hoping it's a thing for the sake of, you know, wizards not looking stupid for doing all this. Yeah, I'm with that too. I really like this card. I think it's awesome. I think every dragon that we've seen so far. Uh, could really benefit from being cheaper. <laughs> and, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, playing a Culligan on turn four, playing a Storm Breath Dragon on turn four, and uh, I don't know, it just seems really strong to me. Uh, I think that this really enables enables the, the, the Dragon decks in red. I mean, playing a Thunderbreak region on turn three with this guy, it's so good. Like, uh, I'm into it. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a staple of whatever people are doing with dragons. We've got a green dragon. It's not good. <laughs> It's the it's the only mono green dragon that we've seen so far that even seems remotely playable. But man, this is not hopeful for me um, in terms of making skill card sentinels good. Uh, Faux Razor Regent. I'm just gonna read it real quick because there's not really not much to talk about here. Uh, it's a four five flying dragon. It's two green and five, which is like five in mono green ramp terms. Um, when Faux Razor Dragon. I can't even say the words. When Foe Razor Regent enters the battlefield, you may have it fight target creature you don't control. Whenever a creature you control fights, put two plus one plus one counters on it at the beginning of the next end step. So, um, you know, this comes down. If there's another creature, it fights it. It becomes a 6-7 at the end of turn. I mean, that's good. But uh, ask me about this card again after Hornet Queen rotates out because this card is not playable until Hornet Queen is out of the format. Uh, because you'd rather, if you have, if you're playing green, you'd rather just play Hornet Queen. Um, and if you're playing this against a Hornet Queen, you're sad because this does not beat a Hornet Queen. Anyone have anything to add about that before we move on? No, nope, you nailed it. This ain't no faux god. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, Narset Transcendent. Whoo! All right. Who wants to read it? Oh, I'll do this one. Do it. All right, so Narset Transcendent. Uh, for two colorless, white, blue, you get a Planeswalker Narset. Look at the top card of your library. For Oh, sorry. She comes in with six loyalty, which is significant. Mm -hmm. For plus one, look at the top card of your library. If it's a non-creature, non-land card, you may reveal it and put it in your hand. Uh, for minus two, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn, it gains rebound. And for minus nine, the ultimate is you get an emblem with... Your opponents can't cast non-creature spells. So, what I noticed about this card is that it has six loyalty on a four-drop Planeswalker. Like, that is huge. Like, right off the bat. Like, she's going to be hard to kill, and she's going to stick around for a while. You're at least going to get a couple activations out of her. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I ha I'm not sure exactly how to evaluate this beyond that quite yet. I love that... She's just drawing you cards, plus one every turn. Drawing cards is basically the most fun thing to do in Magic. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that seems strong. It seems like there's good card advantage here. Uh, yeah, the rebound thing is cool, super useful. I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts on all this? So I've got a little bit of an opinion on this. So, uh, I think that this is the best pure control Planeswalker since Jace the Mind Sculptor. Hmm. Uh, I think it literally makes blue-white control a tier one deck by itself. Um, it makes me 
capitalize words unnecessarily in my show notes. Um, it really wants me to keep playing mono green if I have to worry about that uh, that ultimate because the mono green is pretty much all creatures. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you, you never have to hit the ultimate. But yeah, uh, I think this is an awesome, awesome, awesome card. It does everything that a blue-white control deck would want to be doing. It draws extra cards. Uh, rebound. I mean, like, rebound on, like, a divination or something. Like, holy crap, man. Like, just, I mean, just anything. Anything you can imagine. You know, um, the board wipes. I mean, think about it. You just, you just okay, uh, minus two, end hostilities, go. <laughs> like, you pretty much time walk them. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to play another creature? Like, they can't. They can't play another creature. They have to just kind of go... Oh, go <laughs> like they have to just pass the turn back and you get another turn. Um, I, I think that there's this card is amazing. I think this card is amazing. Um, I can't say enough good things about this card. I hate the fact that it exists because I'm not going to be playing it. Um, so yeah, that's all. I just think it's the best control planeswalker since Jason the Mind Sculptor. Stephen, what do you think? All right, so so I was looking for an appropriate sound clip. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to over... Just hold on, let me try to play this. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys hear that? Yeah. Um, yeah, this card, overrated. Yeah, this card, who, who are they chanting about? Uh, Jeremy Lin, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they are appropriately chanting. Now go on. Uh, and uh, I think it's a propos for this card as well. Um, it's a decent card. It's a good card. Uh, it is not. People are just losing their minds over this. It's it's pre-ordering for fifty dollars. Holy sh! Wow. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Warranted. Absolutely warranted. Um, yeah, I, I I it's a good card. It's not a card I'm ever gonna cast in standard until I get really bored of everything and eventually play a blue white control deck or especially like a a Jeskai control deck where you could just like burn them out. Um, that seems pretty sweet, but, uh, I, I don't see it. Yes. It's, a, it's got an amazing amount of loyalty when it enters the battlefield. Although I don't really think you want to be playing sorcery speed spells on turn four. If you're blue at control, um, it's got the plus one, which I don't think is good. Uh, it's a Domer raid for non-creature spells, which you can actually design a deck that does hit more often than Domer raid and Domer raid was great, but Domer raid came on turn three or turn two because you could play mana accelerants with it uh the minus two is where it's at the minus two is is the reason to play this card um mm -hmm. and yes obviously rebounding a treasure cruise or a dig through time is uh it's not bad <laughs> um that's that's a pretty good effect but yeah yeah that's insane yeah i my final my final vote is 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 high on this card i'm pretty in on narset i i like I like the world where you're casting this in, in a blue-white control deck. I think the card advantage is significant. Um, you know, I think typically draw effects that happen every turn are coming at five mana at least. And, uh, you know, she's going to do that to some extent at four. Um, I think it's good. I mean, even if you when you drop it at four, even if they go all in at it after you plus one it, like, that's not going to kill her. They're going to have to keep working. And that, that lets you untap with her and then kind of protect her possibly with an end hostilities or, or whatever. I, I think it's really strong. I, I think it's really going to enable a blue-white control deck that we haven't seen yet in standard. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Here you go, Joey. I, I think it's, I think it's a Jeskai control card, but I think it's 
and obviously, <laughs> almost everyone disagrees with me on this. So I, I, I like to be a contrarian, but I think this is like, I think it's overrated, and and we're gonna get you're gonna get to look back at this in like one, I don't know, maybe like just a couple months, because people are gonna be trying this on week one, and see how stupid I am for thinking this is just hype. I don't like it. I think it's yeah. not bad. I think it's not bad, but if I'm... But you know you're going to see it. You know you're going to see it in standard. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm imagining myself playing this card, and it's like Ashiok, you know? And if I'm playing an aggro deck, well, I just ignore Ashiok until I kill you. Uh, Narset comes down, maybe, you know, 50-60% chance it draws a card. If you have no creatures in your deck, fine. Uh, But then it doesn't do anything into the board immediately. Second turn... uh, Well, I guess the rebound is pretty good. It kind of locks up the game. I don't know. I think yeah. I'm telling you, fo- turn five, end hostilities, man. Turn five, end hostilities, and then what? Like, I mean, you at least lose a turn. Like, you pretty much, if you're playing an aggro deck, you pretty much lose a turn because they go end hostilities and it's got rebound. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, well. You got to untap with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you, you pretty much have to untap with it, or you have to play it for, like, six or something and like valorous stance yeah. you know what i mean like like you pay for valorous stance with rebound or something yeah i'm just throwing cards out there a but. tap out blue white doesn't exist currently but this is good enough that you'd want to build something like that yeah yeah or tap out blue white x you know blue white red blue white black whatever and man I, even if they throw all their creatures into it you know to kill that thing like yeah. that thing just gained you seven life like it ah oh man it's mm-hmm. yeah I, I think she's pretty good it's not going to be a fun card to play against but uh it's definitely going to be out there i wonder if it brings like hero's downfall back in a big way actually oh yeah um i'm just going to put myself out on i'm going to go out on a limb and i want to look really stupid but i think all the hype is unwarranted. It's overrated. You can sample this and replay it for me in a month, and I'll sound like the the, the biggest idiot alive. But that's that's what I'm saying. Well, we'll be talking about this the week before the the pre-release for the fall set. That's when that's when we'll oh yeah this roll face. this out. And be like remember remember Stephen when you thought that <laughs> Narset banned in standard transcendent was not good. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh god. Um, so I think we only have a couple more here. Yeah. Two oh more. wow, we only two, have two, two more. Three. Sweet, stretch. we're almost at the end. This is just going to be a long episode. Lightning Berserker. I actually like this card. I'm, I'm going to read it here. It's a uh, yeah. So we got a one-one red. What is this a quote from? <laughs> <laughs> what is that a quote from? Right. Oh, that's uh, it's, we're in the show notes. It's from. Oh, uh, okay. It's from almost. Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Almost famous. Almost fam- oh yeah, when they're in the plane crash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, the that's so funny. The turbulence, and the, he admits to that he hit a man, Dearborn, Michigan. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, all right. Sorry. That's really funny. They um, had dash. I knew I recognized it because I've seen Almost Famous a million times. Um, okay, so two more cards. Two more cards. Uh, Lightning Berserker. Uh, I didn't even write this one down because I don't think it's that good. Ryan, right before we started this podcast, Ryan sent me a text, and it was a picture of this and followed by, I think I'm in love. Um, (laughs) So uh, Lightning Berserker is uh, one red, and I literally feel like I'm stealing from Steven from reading a card like this. Uh, It's a 1-1. It's a human Berserker. It's an uncommon. Uh, It has dash red. 
Um, and then it has uh, fire breathing. So uh, I don't need to explain what fire breathing is. If you're listening to this show, you should know what the hell fire breathing is. Anyway, uh, ah, yeah, I don't think this is that good. Like, why would you want this instead of, like, Monastery Swift Spear or, like, something else? I don't know. I, I don't think this is that good. Yeah. It, 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 I, I like the idea. I like the design. And, you know, limited, sure, it's a great uh, early drop. Um, this is something I will draft because I'm forcing myself to draft aggro decks because I'm so sick of drafting these slow sealed decks. <laughs> I will draft this card. Pack one, pick one, just to force the issue. Um, well, what do you think? I think, think your Steve? first problem is that you're drafting your sealed decks. That's just. Well, that's what I'm saying, dude. That's my first problem. Like, I draft these slow, grindy, controly decks, and then I always, I can't make it out of a top eight draft, like with you know with these decks because yeah, I can beat like another deck that's kind of similar or beat a mid-range deck, but these aggro decks just go under me and just beat me. And, I, and I've and i got to draft aggro, because I've, I, I'm tired of losing to the aggro deck, so i got to be the aggro deck. Um, but anyway. Um, so I'm going to say yes, just because the art is so sweet, and I, I sweet. don't feel like they would use this kind of art on a one-drop and it not be playable. That's terrible logic. <laughs> it's airtight. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess if you're casting your Narset and you're rebounding your end hostilities, then I'll just laugh, play my mono red deck, and get in there with haste, pump for three, and uh, hit you for four, and then bounce them back to my hand. I mean, I, I think if there's a critical mass of dash cards, that there's a deck there, and I think it's almost already there, as it is right now before the release of Dragon of Tarkir, Dragons of Tarkir. Um, but on the other side, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no because you don't really need a mana sink in a red deck that's aggressive that has a bunch of one drops. Like that's just not where you want to be. So. Well, I mean, like if you top deck this, it's not dead. Oh no, it's you know great. what I mean. You top, fantastic. You top deck this after like and you got like five lands sitting there. You can just bleh, you know and have a five one and, and in addition to everything else you've got on the board, like if you have nothing else to do on the board, except for this, you might as well. Well, yeah, you might as well cast whatever you top deck. Right. But this, this top good, deck yeah. it gets in for you're a right, lot. Right, yeah. Right. It's a good late game talk. What do you think? Eric? Top deck. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I understand the, the aggro angle, but I'm really seeing this as almost like a control card. Uh, you know, maybe that's a little unorthodox to think about, like mono red control or like heavy red control. But I really like the world where you're casting uh, anger of the gods and just clearing the board, uh, paving the way with maybe even splash white for end hostilities, or if you go the black route, drown in sorrow, where you're just like using a ton of removal to keep the board clear. And then when it settles down and they finally miss a beat where they don't play a creature, then you're just dashing him in and just like slamming them over and over. Like, I, <coughs> excuse me, I like it. I think it's really cool. I think it's a really interesting card, and I, I do agree that it it's, feels like it's more powerful than it looks. Gosh, I don't know. I'm going to say no, but I could easily see this in, like, a a red aggro deck. Or, yeah, if there's, like, some sort of, like, mono red or mono red devotion, maybe? Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I don't oh, know. man. Think... Oh, man. He did gigantic with Nykthos. I'm back in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, I like that. Ooh, yeah. ooh, that's 
that's kind of cool, but yeah, I mean, can't you do that with uh, Dragon Mantle, though? I mean, anything else that's fire-breathing? Okay, yeah, yeah you but... want to, like, ruin my party, sure. No, no, but that's good. Yeah, that's do. good. That's just redundancy, you know? You build a <laughs> deck around that, and then you make sure you get it to happen, you know? Yeah, firebreathing.deck. That's oh, amazing. It's <laughs> groundbreaking. I might just be seduced by the art as well, because, man, that thing's drawn me in. <laughs> Yeah, eat your heart out, Patrick Chapin. It, We're the true innovators. The art, no, but, the um, art is weird. It looks like he's <laughs> running away from, like, the Wright Brothers, like, initial plane, but it's on fire. Yeah. Like, in the background. Like, I don't know, I don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah, we, we need it. He's actually, he's actually, like, leaving. He's running away from a rave during a bad trip. That's actually what's happening. Mm. Just straight up. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, well, I'm in on him. I like him. I, I, I don't love it, but yes, I think it'll be standard play. Like, I think it, I think it will see standard play. Uh, I don't think that's correct, but I think it will. Um, okay, last card. Uh, Risen Executioner. I'll go ahead and read this one. Risen Executioner is two and two black. It's a 4-3 zombie warrior. Is a warrior. Uh, it's a mythic rare. Uh, it can't block. Other zombie creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And then you may cast Risen Executioner from your graveyard if you pay one more to cast it for each other creature card in your graveyard. So, I mean, this is a neat design. Um, I'm not so sure this is standard playable. Um, the, the fact that it's not legendary is cool. So if you have multiples, they pump each other. Um, I like it with Delve in terms of manipulating your graveyard for it to be the only creature or playing it as the only creature in your deck and then just being able to pay for, bring it back, pay for, bring it back. You kind of like, I mean, like maybe like as a control finisher, for instance, where you can just keep bringing it back and you don't have to pay more if it's the only creature. Um, I mean, that's interesting. Overall, nah, I don't think it actually sees play, but it's a cool design, and I personally like the card. What do you think? I say no. Unless they print a bunch more zombies, and that would make me incredibly happy. It's right next to a zombie on the spoiler here. Mm. Sidisi, man. That would be great. Skirmag Angler! I don't know. Is a zombie fish! People played it in modern. Yeah. Why would anyone play that in modern? I mean, anyway. Rock Farm Skeleton from uh, was it Dragon's Maze? It's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't see play as like a you know control decks or whatever. Um, wait a second. Can you cast this at instant speed? No. It's set. No, you would still you would still cast it yeah. like a creature. Still gonna follow the rules. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. But didn't. If it said if it said you may return this oh, return, from your yeah. graveyard to the battlefield, yeah, but it says you may cast it from oh, your graveyard. Man. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it's not it's not a special ability. It's actually just casting. It. It's putting that. it on because it could still be countered. I you could cast you could pay for put it on the stack and then it gets countered. So you know what I mean? It's not like a special ability where it makes it uncounterable or makes it not being cast. You have to cast it. You have to do the work, and you have to do it at sorcery speed. Well, I don't think this is good unless you're getting some value out of the other zombie creatures you can control get plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. 
Because otherwise, you just play that like river prowler, meringue river prowler, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Lemon meringue. Yeah. Nothing would make me happier than zombie tribal. That was one of my favorite standard decks of all time. Was. Uh, yeah, it was literally like my only commander deck I liked. Yeah, Gravecrawler is one of my favorite creatures of all time. So, uh, anything along those lines would be amazing. But I'm gonna say no. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it seems good. Um, I do like that you can keep casting him over and over. I think that seems pretty strong. Um, four, three, for four is fine. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure it won't see play. Uh, but I don't know. It seems like a funny block for him to be in. I'm not really seeing any incredible zombies um, to, to really get that, that ability uh, you know, worthwhile. Um, I don't know. Whatever. I, I think we'll probably see him, but I can't really – I can't find the angle right now. Whoa! Wow. We made it through all of them. Holy crap. I can't believe we did it. Now let's do the commons. <laughs> yes! <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Cool. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for sticking around through all of this. Uh, it was a lot of fun having you on. It was great learning about Puka Trade. I'm looking forward to using the site myself. Uh getting some cards in there, shipping some stuff off and, uh, and getting some stuff shipped to me. Um, because there's no better feeling than getting stuff in the mail. It makes you feel special. Oh, it does. That's the absolute truth. <laughs> yeah. Thank, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been a ton of fun. It's, uh, yeah, been real nice to just dive into these spoilers and, uh, talk about magic cards. It's good stuff. I uh, really appreciate the invite. Totally. Uh, so, uh, next week, uh, we're going to talk about our modern, GPT slash TCG player bronze event uh, success. I'm just being hopeful here. I'm going to say it's we're going to be talking about our success um, and uh, and we'll be diving into some more spoilers. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, what's not going to be a lot of fun is editing this two hour and 45 minute monstrosity of a recording file. But that's exactly what I'm going to do right now so until next time we are yo mtg taps stop bitching start brewing hot take on a limited card oh good well good we'll we'll get there oh no we passed uh, it because it's not noteworthy at all i, I just want to talk about it right now what what is that it's ojutai's summons really yeah okay so i i just want to say you know it says put a 2-2 blue Jin monk creature token flying onto the battlefield rebound yes. whatever they're not flying on the card. <laughs> like, one's standing there, and then the other one's, like, trying to jump. <laughs> and he has no ups. Like, that's, like, maybe, like, a like a, like an 18-inch vertical. That's not flying. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you took this in the Vorthos direction, because I'm like, okay, how are you going to break Ojutai's summons here? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> but they have flying. Yeah, both of them. Like, what? put put a two-two blue gin monk creature token with flying onto the battlefield rebound. So you put two tokens with flying onto the battlefield, and I'm looking at this card, and I'm not seeing it. There's trees that are higher than them, and <laughs> yeah. that dude he doesn't even really look like he's jumping. He looks like he's no. falling. Yeah, <laughs> he's like maybe someday I'll fly. It looks like they wish they could fly. <laughs> wow! It, wow! It looks like they're about to like break in out into like a like a. They're at the karaoke bar and they're about to sing. So, I believe R. Kelly. I can fly. R. Kelly. Yes. You know it. You know it, yes. boy. Yes. <laughs> they're about to break into R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. And, and that's at, that's at the peak where they're trying to hit the high notes, and he's jumping, you know, with all his might, and he's getting off like a foot in the air. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Yo MTG Taps is available every bloody Friday forever on legitmtg.com, iwantmymtg.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Email us, yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, yomtgtaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at yomtgtaps. Follow me on Twitter at OMGWTFBHJFTW. Follow Steven on Twitter at M00NPI. Follow Joey on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.